Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for a Thursday afternoon in Winnipeg. Great to have you with us, Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus. And we have a packed show today. Um, obviously, well, we did do a four-hour show yesterday, expecting maybe a little bit more on the home front. Uh, that really didn't materialize. Um, but still plenty of questions about the Winnipeg Jets. And Kevin Shevelyoff did speak once we finished the program yesterday. We'll get to a few of the comments from Kevin Shevelyoff on uh, what did and didn't happen yesterday and a look ahead to the rest of the offseason. The Jets also did sign uh, Big Save Dave yesterday to uh, take the place of Eric Comrie, who signed in Buffalo. He had a conference call this morning, so we've got a few clips of uh, David Riddick, the newest goaltender in the uh, Jets organization. But really looking forward to uh, chopping up uh, both the Jets situation as well as everything that happened in and around the National Hockey League with Mike Kelly of NHL Network, one of our favorites. Mike's going to join us in about 20, 25 minutes or so after we hear from Chevy. And then Ken Weeb. Weeb's world himself jumping on. Now, the timing of all of this, you know, with free agency, right smack dab in the middle of a huge week for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers getting ready to host the Calgary Stampeders. We will step away from some of the offseason hockey talk to get ready for the Battle of Unbeatens tomorrow night at IG Field. Ted Wyman is going to join us. And be sure to stick around we won't be doing marbles, but uh, we will pull out the Wheel of Winners on WST. We've got some tickets for the game tomorrow night to send a lucky WST listener to it. So uh, big show coming up, lots to get to. And of course, the shocking destination for Johnny Gaudreau. We'll touch on that as well. Just before we do that, I want to welcome and thank all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen every day, including Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club, Assiniboia Downs, Nick and Nicky DQ, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, and Not Auto Corp, Breezy Bend, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, and of course our friends out at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Let's get Remus in here and uh, <laughs> and get this show going. What's going on? I don't know. I'm still like in shock uh, since yesterday with the Johnny Gaudreau news. I was at a family dinner. Um, I can bring myself in, but I'm invisible right now. I was at a family dinner and like, I look at my phone, I got the order. I was like, whoa. And they were like, what? And I'm like, you know, you have a reaction like that when you look at your phone you're like, oh yeah, a hockey player signed with Columbus of all places. Uh, it doesn't, I don't know if it moves the needle for non-hockey fans, but I was, it was stunning. It was, it was shocking. Absolute, it was absolutely stunning. Johnny Gaudreau is leaving $15 million on the table. Speaking of tables, are you under the table right now? Or you've gone back to the early days where you didn't have a chair and uh, were sitting under the desk when uh, we were doing the show? Not sure where you went. Um, oh, there we are. He's reappeared. Into I'm back. I'm Michael back. Remus has entered the chat. Um, he left $15 million on the table in Calgary to sign for less AAV and seven years instead of eight. Not with the Philadelphia Flyers going home. Not with the New Jersey Devils with the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the more I think about this, Reem, this is one of the most stunning signings in NHL free agency history. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, and what a kick in the nuts for the people in Calgary and that Calgary Flames organization. They had such an awesome season. That was the best line in hockey. 
Johnny Gaudreau, I believe, had the most five-on-five points in the league. That connection with Lendholm and Kachuk was dominant. This seemed to be the first piece in keeping that together and keeping Calgary moving forward. Uh, And they did everything they possibly could to keep their star winger. And he said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm taking less money to go to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And listen, I got a lot of love for Columbus. I feel that, you know, you know, there's some kinship between CBUS and Winnipeg here as smaller markets. Obviously, things may be a little bit more challenging in Canada. But for a team that had honestly never really been a destination, seemingly, for top-level free agents, for Yarmo Kekalainen to swoop in late yesterday afternoon and get the deal signed is uh it, it it's reverberating around the national hockey league but nowhere more than in columbus for obvious reasons but also in calgary and man where they go from here after losing out on johnny what does that mean for matthew kachuk's future um in the entire window for that calgary flames team that was so good last season uh one of the huge stories in the national hockey league coming out of yesterday yeah, it was shocking. I had thought, okay, uh, who's, New Jersey was for sure. You know, they're kind of, you know, becoming a, a good hockey team out of the rebuild. Uh, Philadelphia, I was like, no, they're got, they don't have competent management. I never thought Columbus was a destination. Uh, Aaron Portsline tweeted it out at late in the afternoon, and it just seems to me, but you know, when you go to a team that's not a contender, a team that offers you less money. Um, he just really hated Calgary and wanted to leave. And he basically said that today. And I do have, I do have the clip where he said him and his wife were like, we need to leave Calgary. It's not working here for whatever reason. And he clearly used, you know, the flames offer as leverage to try to get as much as he could from the other teams. And they couldn't even come close to Calgary's offer. Um, it's kind of sad, and now the, I, the Flames had this great season. I picked them to win the Stanley Cup heading into the playoffs. They had the, one of the best lines in hockey, and now they're in they're in shambles. It reminds me a lot of not shambles, but you just lost you lost your best player, and then what? Kachuk's an RFA, Manjapani's an RFA. It kind of reminds me of the Jets after what the 2019 2018 season where they you know, thought they were going to be so good for so long, and uh, now all, all of a sudden, like what's going on? What's going on in Calgary? So it's it was shocking. Yeah, um, and again, we'll get to that more coming up with Mike Kelly uh, as well as Ken Weeb. Um, the other, <laughs> you want to talk about a do-over. How about Vegas last night sending Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coughlin to the Carolina Hurricanes mm-hmm. for future considerations? And by the way, the Kane social media team still on top of it all um, with their big tribute and thanks two future considerations for their contributions to the franchise before going to Vegas. Um, and they get a top score coming in on a one-year deal. Basically, Vegas trying to make up for, you know, some other mistakes and some real significant cap crunches um, that affected them significantly last year. And Carolina gets a top player like Max, Max Pacioretty for absolutely nothing along with Dylan Coughlin. So, I mean... We'll spend a little more time on everything happening outside of Winnipeg with Mike coming up, and we'll certainly get Ted's or uh, Ken's thoughts as well. But Remo, something that I think maybe was a little under the radar, at least around hockey, because of what the reaction was to the breaking news with the Patcheretti deal and Johnny Gaudreau signing, was something that came out of go figure Quebec yesterday, and it involves Pierre Luc Dubois and. 
you know, we had heard that, you know, Dubois had mentioned that he would be planning on testing unrestricted free agency. I'm not sure how true that is as much as Dubois trying to get out of Winnipeg and get to Montreal. Um, his, uh, Pat Brisson, his agent, um, spoke to TVA yesterday and uh, said, I think there are several teams that have a lot of interest in Pierre-Luc. Uh, ultimately, he has two years left before he becomes an unrestricted free agent. We had discussions with Winnipeg. Uh, he said this. He feels he does not hide that the Habs are an attractive destination for his protege, even if he is in a delicate situation with the Jets. I can talk about it because right now he hasn't signed a contract. He's a restricted free agent. Montreal is a city where he would like to play. That's the only thing I can say at the moment. So just to recap, coming into this offseason, <clears throat> after the miserable year that just happened with the reaction of all the players to, you know, a, essentially certainly sounded like a team that wasn't a team. Uh, everybody's back right now, with the exception of the guy that the Jets traded Patrick Laine for, looking to get out ASAP. And um, no moves on the blue line. All that talk about Blake Wheeler potentially uh, being traded seems to have quieted down right now. And we'll hear from Kevin Chevalier off that. And I I I'll say this. You know me. I'm a very positive person. I want to see this team do well. Um, you can really feel a bit of a malaise of the fan base. I mean, there were some expectations and some excitement that we would see some significant changes and that that might push this thing forward. Uh, I got to say right now, if it, if there aren't big changes and you come back with a cloud over Dubois, who was maybe one of the bright lights of last season, um, you just wonder what things are going to be like around this team, around the fan base, and around this city um, if we basically are where we are when we get to September when things get going for training camp. Yeah, I mean, we had heard rumors and rumblings. Like, people would come into, people come into our like, YouTube comments and be like, oh, I was I lived in the same building as PLD in Columbus. He's always wanted to play for Montreal and, you know, stuff like that. But when his agent goes on TVA, the <laughs> French sports station that is the rights holder for hockey and says that Dubois wants to play in Montreal while he's currently a restricted free agent with the Winnipeg Jets. And he's like, well, I can say this because he's actually not under, under contract. Such a bad luck um, for, for the Jets team. Um, I mean, it had a miserable season last year. Your captain has been in the trade rumors, Shifley as well. Um, you know, you had the whole coach. You brought in the new coach, but it seems like they haven't, it doesn't seem like they haven't changed any of the roster. And I think if you're a fan, why should you expect that this is going to go any differently than what we've seen the last couple of years? Which is, would you rather them just blow it up and go for a rebuild? Or actually try to do this one more time and, I don't know, get a fringe playoff spot. Uh, but then you see, okay, we've talked about Wheeler being on the trade block. Well, what's Wheeler going to get? You see Max Pacioretty um, going for zero. Nothing. Zero. Oh, what's his salary? Uh, what, $8 million? What's Wheeler's salary? Uh, around the same? I would have to think if Max Pacioretty, uh, you have to throw in Dylan Coughlin to get future considerations, um, you're not going to get anything for Blake Wheeler. So I guess they're better off keeping him, but then you have to wonder, okay, are they just going to go and try to, you know, shuffle up by the, the leadership way, group? 
by the way, Pacioretty is seven million, and for only one more year that they had to commit to it. So, and they gave him away for yeah, nothing. For nothing. So it sort of tells you now. Um, you know, and we'll maybe get to this in a minute. I mean, I was uh, checking out what Frank had uh, a little earlier today, talking with Jason Gregor, um, and has said that you know there really isn't an appetite to you know to you know eat any of the salary if the team's going to try to trade Blake Wheeler. Now, if that's the case, I don't know how that deal gets done. And the fact that it got out as public as it did, that both the team and the player thought that this might be a change of scenery, might be a good idea. Um, I, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine, like, can you put that toothpaste back in the tube when you bring back? Oh, everything's good with Mark. Like, put it this way. It comes down to this, if you ask me. Is Rick Bonus a miracle worker? Can Rick Bonus come in with a magic wand and change the atmosphere, the attitude of some players can bring guys together. Oh, and by the way, figure out a way to buy into a program as a team going forward. I would love to say yes. And I mean, I firmly believe there's a lot of talent on this team. But man, I mean, they've had this group together for a long time. The leaders, the guys running the show have been the same guys for a long time. I think if you come back in that same situation, um, I think we'd be fools to expect a massive turnaround um, just because Bones is in town and they're going to take over. I'd love to be wrong, um, but as a guy that likes to preach optimism and generally be positive, if that is the plan, if that is where they go right now, um, it will be only the most positive of positive fans I think that'll sort of be on board with that. And um, that'll be a really weird and uh, weird way to get the season going if that is in fact the case. Maybe this is an overreaction. I mean, as I said yesterday, this is less about free agency. I mean, I really didn't think that the Jets were going to go and take big swings at some of the big players because, I mean, honestly, that's a very difficult way for a team in Winnipeg to uh, to you know to make its roster. Now, some of the other players that have been out signing for lesser money, you could have that conversation that maybe they'd look good with the Winnipeg Jets. That's another story. But to me, this is all about the guys at the top. Yeah, they need to figure out the bottom six and get some more out of that. And that'll be a part that hopefully Rick Bonus can affect. But when we're talking about trading the captain, why are they doing that? The guy's been productive. I think they need, you know, the same new voice with Paul Maurice leaving. I think they need a new voice when it comes to the leadership in the room. And um, obviously, Mark Shifley was a, a centerpiece of uh, all of those conversations last year. We don't have to go through all of those again. We all heard what he had to say at the end of the year. Hasn't spoken again publicly since then. Um, I got to just tell you, I mean... I, I'm in for my seats. I'll be there next year. But I know there's a lot of people that were very much on the fence. And I think they had an opportunity, maybe a requirement to try to do something significant to maybe get some of those people back on track and back on board. And that hasn't happened right now. And um, these next couple months, if nothing does happen, I think are going to be slow. Uh, and it'll almost be a brooding uh, start for waiting for training camp, but it should be ex the exact opposite. Usually that's the most exciting time of the year. Everyone getting back and trying to get after it again. Yeah, the problem, you know, one of the big problems last year was depth scoring, you know, it was, or it was always, you know, the top line, first line would score, but you wouldn't really get scoring from the second line. If the second line was on, you know, they just couldn't be in sync and there was no, you know, third and fourth line scoring. You know, seem, seemingly they haven't really addressed any of that. I thought maybe the easiest move to make would be trading a defenseman um, you know, four forward. They didn't do any any trades there. Now you have he was asked Chevy was asked about the young defenseman. 
have so you got you know all your five veteran guys and then one spot for Stanley, Kanela, Sambrek. How are all these guys guys gonna play? Um, I'm. I mean, it seems like they're well, over ripened and ready for and ready for the NHL. Well, we've but known they that. That's spot. not a yeah. That's not but, a new conversation. Why, we've been talking on, about that again the last but season. How how is this? So I just feel like I'm going into Groundhog Day here with the Jets. Is all that's all I'm saying. Well, you're exactly right. And unfortunately, the Groundhog Day for the last couple seasons has been uh, waking up and continually going in the wrong direction for a team that had so much promise a couple years ago. And I think still does when you look at a number of the pieces in there. Well, let's get a couple of these clips coming up. Um, and listen, we'll we'll get to David Riddich and talking about that before. But Remo, get um, the number six ready. Let's start with that. It was the, quick, the question that you just talked about, asked about the team's young defense and um, because, of course, you know, at the end, he was asked, you know, basically point blank about Brendan Dillon, if he's going to be on the team next year. And he said, yeah. And that was the end. Now, again, obviously, I mean, that point blank question like that, the guy's on the team right now, you're not going to hear anything else. Um, but this is a little bit of a longer answer on the team's defense, the logjam of um, the veterans there and making room as well as moving cap space around uh, with the logjam on the blue line. On the topic of younger players, how do you envision some of the young defensemen that you have um, in the organization? I mean, short of a run of injuries right now, it doesn't seem like there's a clear path for some of those guys immediately because of what you have signed. I mean, is that an issue that you're looking to address? I think the bigger issue is when you don't have enough defensemen, and I think when you don't have the opportunity for competition, uh, I think that that's the, the, the bigger challenge. And, and I think as an organization here, um, you know, there's going to be obviously lots of competition. There's, you know, what you see on, on, on paper now, a month into the season, you just don't know, you know, and, and um, uh, so I think that's a, a real good thing. Well, that's interesting. And hey, I mean, there is going to be a new head coach. And um, I mean, I've always been one that has preached and hoped that the best guys would play. I'm Listen, I don't think that's always been the case. And I think that, you know, due to contracts and, you know, maintaining team control and who's waiver eligible and who isn't, I mean, that all plays into it. Um, but I just have a hard time imagining that with the money that they're spending on the guys that had that are the veteran players right now, what they gave to get up them, that those guys would be in the press box giving younger players a chance to go right now. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but it certainly did seem like there's a real opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets to maybe shift a player or two from that blue line to the forward group, where I think most people would agree that they need it, open up space for a Hanela, for a Sandberg, for a Chisholm, for the young players to cop, pop in and have a legitimate chance of playing and playing regularly, which I think helps the team in the long run. Um, so that's, uh, that is still a huge topic, uh, in and around the team. Nothing's been solved on that. And, um, uh, let's do seven and eight as well. I mean, I guess the other side was a shovel day off, you know, after the Kevin Stenland, uh, uh, signing, um, depth player played most of last year with Cleveland in the American hockey league, uh, was asked to see if he's, uh, looking to upgrade in other areas. Yeah, so obviously, you know, uh, parlaying off of uh, Mike's question, you know, we think the defense is, is fairly solid there. And, and so certainly we're looking at, uh, you know, uh, what are the options at forward? And, and um, you know, again, uh, there's types of forwards. There's, uh, you know, different things that we're looking at, uh, you know, maybe hopefully to still address in free agency. Is it particularly on the wing? Like, or do you want someone that can play both? 
Well, I think any time a player has that, you know, kind of Swiss Army, uh, you know, type of um, you know, ability to play different positions, I think in a cap world, I think that that's important. But, um, you know, again, you, you look at what's out there and you, you see if there's a good fit. Certainly the wings are are, are important part of, of where we're you know trying to get to here. But um, again, having the ability to play different positions, I think you're seeing that a lot, lot more in, in, a, in a lot of players and uh, and giving teams that, that opportunity to um uh, you know, like I say, in a cap world, when a team is close to the cap, that's important. All right, so there's a little bit more from Sheveldayoff in the press conference yesterday. Now, this next one is maybe the most key um, piece, and and I'll I will give the caveat, as I mentioned, it's very easy as fans to get super impatient to want everything to happen right now. That's not always the case. I, we have gone through some pretty significant dates, though. The draft, where plenty of trades are normally made, and in and around free agency. The Jets made a couple in advance of free agency last year. They were a couple trades yesterday. But things do sort of quiet down right now, and I'm not sure whether those same opportunities potentially to make it. Now, the other side of things are we said, hey, we're going to see what happens where the dust settles coming out of free agency and then there'll be opportunities for Kevin Sheveldayoff to talk to his com, uh, compatriots around the league and try and make deals. But this was the question that I think certainly I had a tough time getting over. Now, again, what else is he going to say? But he was asked if he's comfortable with this roster going into next season if there aren't any further changes. Are you comfortable going in without changes into the year next year if Blake stays here before I say? Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's interesting. Hey, eh? like last year we're sitting here at this time, we make the trades for the two defensemen. Everyone's putting us on the, uh, already putting the, the uh, engraving the names on the Stanley Cup, you know, and um, I think the year before, you know, I think the year of, of 17, 18, I, don't, I think I was probably having somewhat similar conversations, um, you know, at the free agent time and, and, and everyone was, you know, kind of looking at us like, where are you? So there's a lot to prove. Um, you know, the players, you know, again, uh, you know, have a lot to prove to themselves and, and um, I know the coaching staff is excited about that. Uh, sorry, just just to ask the question again. I mean, are you comfortable? Yeah, yeah okay. All right. So, again, um, how... <laughs> I mean, I don't want to jump all over him because, listen, you've all been in those, well, if you have been in those situations where you're being asked pointed questions and there's a lot of personalities involved and there's a lot of things you maybe don't want to show your hand on, um, it's difficult to answer openly and honestly. All I will say to that is, and I know there was a lot of excitement about the team going into last year for obvious reasons, but we saw what happened last year with this team. Like, Reem, I don't know about you, but I don't think that this organization can afford to act like last year just simply didn't happen. Rick Bonus is in town, and we're right back to 12 months ago with the excitement around the team, the short-up defense core, and talent that can make this team a Stanley Cup contender. I mean, it's almost insulting to the people that support the club to, to go off with that. I don't know if that's their plan. It certainly hasn't seemed like it has been their plan. And yes, it's not easy to put all these pieces together, especially when you think about the challenges of getting guys in Winnipeg, especially through trades. But um, I mean, there's a lot of work to do. And I don't think, my personal opinion, I'm not sure that they can sit back and uh, and roll with what the scenario that was just presented to Kevin Sheveldayoff that he publicly said he was fine with, although I'm not sure entirely that would be the case if you pump the true serum in away from a microphone.
Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the Calgary model uh, from last year, you know, they got rid of the cap. They got I don't know rid of if the we captain. want to talk about the Calgary model right now, Remus. <laughs> well, today's I mean, not a good day. I mean, I'm fine. You want to talk about a team that had a very disappointing season and then came back and came first place. I mean, they had a coaching change. You know, they signed Blake Coleman, although that uh, contract may be hampering their ability to do some other things. And then, um, you know, dumped, uh, they had a leadership change with Mark Giordano. I mean, the Jets just had this season last year, extremely disappointing. The players um, came out at the end of the season, said they didn't have respect for each other. And they're just going to bring back the same group <laughs> of guys. I, that was not a dream, folks. Like last year did happen. The, I mean, so, all those comments, Paul Stastny, Kyle Connor, all those things like that. That was not a dream. It just feels like, you know, since doesn't feel since 2018 was the peak and you thought, okay, you know, they're going to be back here, you know, for years to come. It's just been, you know, kind of going worse, worse and worse and bringing back the exact same group of guys. I, I, they're lucky. I'll say this. They're lucky that two teams in their division aren't trying to win in Arizona and Chicago. So you do have a better shot at the playoffs. And, you know, if Connor Hellebuck stands on his head, they can probably squeeze in at the end. But, I mean, that's, all, that's if everything goes well. And I guess last year everything went just about as bad as it could have. And you hope <laughs> that there is a big bounce back from everyone. Uh, great to see everybody in the chat today. Awesome crowd out. I wasn't sure whether we'd uh, people would uh, be feeling it today, but it's great to see you all here. Um, by the way, uh, make sure to hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. Um, we are here for those of you that are new. It's great to see how many new folks are in here daily. Uh, hit that red subscribe button. It's completely free. Winnipeg Sports Talk is live Monday to Friday, 1 o'clock Central Time. And if you're not able to join us, as soon as you get on YouTube, you'll uh, see the latest WST content ready for you. And, of course, we're also available on all podcast feeds, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll have much more on this. Ken Weeb's going to come up, and as I mentioned, Mike Kelly as well. Um, let me quickly give a big shout-out to the gang over at F Apparel. Popped down to see Andrew yesterday. It was there two days ago, I guess. A very painless experience getting measured up, checking out all the incredible different styles and fabrics they've got for suits. And uh, I'm really excited. And I know there's a lot, been a lot of people. We need to class up the show a little bit at some point soon. We'll make it a surprise. Uh, but maybe Remus and myself will be all business and uh, we'll drop in. Hey, if you're looking for any sort of suit or menswear, before you go anywhere, go to F Apparel. Incredible deals on Winnipeg's best selection and uh, opportunities for custom suits starting at just $400 and a great summer special right now. Three custom shirts for 210 bucks. Pop on down and see the gang at 190 Smith Street or find out more online or make an appointment at F. That's EPHapparel.com. Um, the gang at Wallace and Wallace is, uh, listen, they're so busy right now with the fences. Obviously, the overhead door leaders in Winnipeg as well. What you might not have known, though, is that they have been the leaders in uh, in boathouse doors. And if you're kicking around on the lake this weekend and you see one you like, chances are 
it's one of theirs. You can choose between steel or aluminum doors, polycarbonate or glass panels, and a design that's perfect for your little piece of paradise. And with galvanized tracks and springs to protect against rust, you know their doors are built to stand up against the challenges of life at the lake. If you need service as well, they can do that. 452-2700. Hit them up at wallacedoors.com or check out their showroom on Lawson Road for everything that Wallace and Wallace can do for you. And hey, barbecue season is fully here. If you're looking for some healthy options or maybe some other options for your guests, Vita Health Fresh Market is the place to do it. Um, you already know that they are stock with Winnipeg's best selection of local organic and natural groceries, supplements and beauty products, all at great prices. They've also got great bison burgers, lean bison steaks, chicken and more for the grill, and a w very wide selection of non-alcoholic uh, uh, beverages that might be uh, a great option for the next time you're entertaining. They're a great local company that's been in business for over 85 years, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Check them out at one of seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And hey, a big shout out to our friends Pitt and Julie Turen running Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. I saw they got out on the lake last night for a little twilight fish, pulled some beautiful fish out of the lake. We're going to be heading there a little later on, early August. Cannot wait for it. If you're thinking about getting away to paradise for a few days and getting off the grid. Aikens Lake is the spot. Find out more online at akinslake.com or on the social media channels at Aikens Lake. All right, Ken Weeb coming up. We'll focus more on the Winnipeg Jets, but so much to get to in the National Hockey League. And always a pleasure to welcome in one of our faves, Mike Kelly's back on Winnipeg Sports Talk from NHL Network. Mike, what's up, man? How are you? Thanks for doing this. Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, getting through... Obviously, the busy time of the year with the draft and and free agency, but uh, light at the end of the tunnel for a little bit of downtime. So um, I miss hockey, though. It's the crazy thing is like it's it's such a all encompassing thing to cover and, and to do all year, um, but then it's gone for you know a week and it's just kind of like all right, well let's let's get back into it again. <laughs> We'll have a little time to enjoy the family and hopefully some nice weather before we're back at the rinks right now. Uh, listen, I want to talk about everything going on around the around the league, and I would love to talk about some of the moves the Jets made, but they basically haven't done anything. Um, you know, they <laughs> lost Eric Comrie, they got big save Dave, they saved I guess nine hundred thou as far as the cap, uh, as opposed to what Com Comrie signed, um, and uh, and Kevin Stenland. I'm not sure that um, entirely got the the lights uh, ringing on the switchboard at the ticket office, if you know what I'm saying. Um, Mike, last year was a disaster on many levels. Um, it was disappointing. Uh, and everything around the team at the end seemed like it just screamed for significant changes. Um, we know that there's a logjam on the blue line. Uh, and maybe most significantly, what we heard from Mark Shifley at the end of the season and then reported request of a trade or willingness to move from Captain Blake Wheeler, the two guys that have been the central figure Figures in this club for the last little while and nothing's happened yet i mean from a distance what's your perspective on where the winnipeg jets are right now and um you know what could to come or what happens if they don't make any moves and try and just run it back under rick bonus well from a distance the roster on paper is good enough to be in the playoffs and they should be and and that's what everybody, you know, I guess outside of Winnipeg or, or where I am, you, you look at it and you wonder why can't this team get it together? And we're not that many years removed from them, you know, winning a few playoff rounds and, and being a contending team and being one of the better teams in Canada for sure. But you you look at what's happened recently and it just leaves you scratching your head a little bit. So 
I look at that team. I, I look. I still love the top six forward group. They're they're fantastic. You talk about logjam on defense. Um, Connor Hellebuck is still a fantastic goaltender. So critical pieces. You know they're good in a lot of those areas. And outside looking in, you know you hear things about well, what about the room and what about you know dysfunction within the organization and is that an issue? And yeah, guys wanting out and. <laughs> Wanting to leave, guys saying, you know, when my contract's up, I'm, I'm not planning on coming back. That's, that's you know, it's headache stuff. That's distraction stuff. And I guess, you know, how much does that matter? I guess it matters a fair bit because the on-ice product hasn't been as good as what the roster, you know, indicates that it should be. Um, but I don't think they're they're in need, talent-wise, of some massive shakeup to be a competitive team again. I think they underperformed last year. I think if they perform you know, to expectation that they should be a playoff team. Uh, we were just speaking with Michael and I at the beginning. And I mean, you know, we played the clip of Shevel Day off saying that, you know, he's comfortable if, you know, if they're coming back with the roster they have, they're comfortable with that. And again, I mean, what the hell else is he going to say, honestly? Um, but I mean, if that's the case, and I realize it's tough. I mean, Blake Wheeler's contract is tough to move. They don't want to take money on this. Um, we saw what just happened with the Vegas Golden Knights having to give up a prospect and Max Pacioretty for nothing. Yeah. Um, and he's only got one year left on his deal, unlike the two years that Blake Wheeler has. Um, is Rick Bonus a miracle worker? Can Bonus, his positive outlook, his um, you know, his upbeat nature, can a guy like that come in and completely change a 180 of a room that we heard all too much about um, certainly wasn't in sync, to put it very politely? Well, I don't know. I don't think that anybody can really. I think that would be an unfair expectation to put on Rick Bonus. And, and yeah, and we know what his reputation is, right? That he's a guy that um, can come in and do that kind of thing that, that people can gravitate around, that he can get that positivity going. But to expect a 180 like you talk about, that's that seems like miracle worker stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure that's a realistic expectation. You know, not to compare the two apples for apples, but people were saying some of the same kind of things about Minnesota uh, not too long ago with, with Brian Suter and Zach Parise and that regime there. And they made some tough decisions and, you know, look at where they are now uh, a team that was kind of competitive, but, but not quite there that had some of those same talks around why they weren't being successful. Um, you know, that that's the route that they went. Well, Winnipeg decided to go that route with some of their top guys. I don't know, maybe not. Um, but like I said, all, all I can do, you know, certainly in the way that I evaluate the game is, is look at the performance on the ice and, and what these players are capable of. The guys that they have there are certainly capable of more. And, and um, as I believe, being a playoff team. So um, I don't know how long the rope will be in terms of what kind of start they got off to next season uh, before, you know, you start looking at, OK, do we need to make some significant moves here or not? But. I look at the I look at the roster. I look at the talent on the team. They absolutely should be better. Mike Kelly's with us uh, from NHL Network. We'll move on from the Jets. Um, I, listen, I was sitting meeting a friend, having a beer last night, looking up on the uh, the screen, and you know it was all the wrap up, everything, and then it was breaking news: Johnny Gaudreau signs with Columbus, and I basically almost fell off the bar stool. Um, <laughs> and then when you do the digging in, Mike, that he left fifteen million dollars on the table. 
I mean, this is one of the most significant kicks in the nuts to a franchise in the Calgary Flames I can remember in recent NHL history. And at the same time, an absolute boon for a team that had been overlooked year after year, almost since their existence. What uh, what was your reaction and uh, you and your cohorts at the NHL uh, Network? What was going through the group text last night when this news broke? Oh, everybody was shocked, obviously. And, you know, I'm, I'm watching um, trade deadline coverage earlier in the day, and, and I saw that Bob McKenzie said, you know, I'm not reporting this, but I did hear that Columbus wants to make a big splash. And you, you kind of they kind of got the radar up a little bit. Well, they're going to make a big splash. Who do you think it's going to be, right? Um, I, I, I'm with you, though. When I saw Columbus, I, I was floored. And, you know, I, I good for Johnny Gaudreau, first of all. For it's his prerogative, and he's earned the right to go wherever he wants to go. Um, if he wants to go play for Jurgarden in the SHL because he feels like it, he can go do that. He, he can do whatever he wants. So he wants to go to Columbus. Fantastic. He's got his reasons for wanting to go there. He talked about, um, you know, him and his wife making that decision and wanting to go to Columbus. Certainly go somewhere in the East. Um, good for him. Good for the city of Columbus and for the Blue Jackets because a superstar wants to go there which is the opposite of what we've seen in recent years. Um, so good for them. And yeah, tough break for the Calgary Flames, who watch a guy have a 115-point MVP caliber season and and leaves for nothing. But that's, you know, I thought the Flames had a real chance to, to be a cup contender this year and play for a Stanley Cup. You run the risk sometimes of, of losing guys for nothing when you when you want to do that. And and good for them. And I'm sure they thought that they could keep them. And Johnny Goodrow said it came down to the 11th hour for him to make that decision. So if we take him at his word, then the Flames cer- certainly thought that they could get him. They made a monster offer to keep him. Uh, nothing more they could do. So, look, at the end of the day, I, I, I think this is what players play for to earn the right to unrestricted free agency and, and call their shot. And he wants to go to Columbus. It surprises some people. I think a lot of people thought Philadelphia. We heard Chuck Fletcher say today, you know, why didn't they go after Johnny Gaudreau? Well, they would have had to move contracts out, and it's difficult to make those kind of trades. Hmm. I guess it's difficult, but I guess that's what, if you really wanted him, what you would have to do. Uh, I still go back to Rasmus Ristolainen, 5 times 5.1. Why? Why make that signing? Um, On the surface, just for the player itself, why make that signing? let alone what it would be prohibitive uh, for what you could do down the road in a situation like this. So uh, maybe Johnny Gaudreau wanted to go to Philly and they couldn't make that work because of things like that. I don't know. He chose Columbus. Good for him. Good for the Blue Jackets. If you're Brad Treleving, though, um, I mean, you obviously had a terrible night. Uh, you have to circle back. And I mean, I guess there's a potential you could get in on a Nazem Kadri that's still out there and, you know, hopefully minimize the damage. But with Gaudreau being the first piece to leave and the Matthew Kachuk situation with the $9 million qualifying offer that can walk him right to unrestricted free agency, I imagine this, what happened yesterday, could significantly alter the course of the plan for the Calgary Flames, literally in one phone call. Certainly could. And we've all heard the rumblings. Well, Matthew Kachuk, he's an American as well. Maybe he wants to go somewhere in the U.S., uh, closer to home also. I don't know that. Um Losing Johnny Gaudreau, look, I, I'm probably in the minority on this one. I don't think it's crippling for the Calgary Flames. If it's a snowball effect like you talked about, that's crippling. And we've seen snowballs the other way too, right? Where if he goes to Columbus, maybe some other guys want to go to Columbus too. So it could work in their favor that way. But if it's a trickling effect, that is a big issue for the Flames. If it's not, 
I think they can survive this and still be a very competitive team. I look at, look, I love Johnny Gaudreau as a player. Last year, he would have been number one on my heart trophy ballot if I had one. He had a 115-point season. The two years before that, he averaged 0.85 points a game, under a point a game in both those years. In his career before this past season, he was under a point a game. He had an outlier season that was absolutely incredible. And two things happened for Johnny Gaudreau last year that had never happened for him before. Number one, Daryl Sutter was his coach. I don't think we can underscore the importance of Daryl Sutter on the season Johnny Gaudreau had. And number two, he played exclusively with Elias Lindholm and Matthew Kachuk for the first time in his career. And as much as Johnny Gaudreau helped those guys, I've watched Elias Lindholm elevate everybody he plays with in Carolina and in Calgary his entire career. And Matthew Kachuk is a fantastic player as well. They helped Johnny Gaudreau, in my view, as much as he helped them. So Gaudreau's going to go to Columbus now. I don't think there's any chance he puts up 115 points as the kind of year that he had in Calgary. And that and that's fine, you know, but I think the Flames, if it, all it is is Johnny Gaudreau out, and yeah, they've got money now to bring in maybe a couple other guys to try to make up that offense. It, it's They're less for it, but I don't think it cripples them at all. Um, Mike, uh, from everything that happened yesterday, and I mean, I love your perspective on the game and, um, you know, the way they analyze it. Was there a player or two or a signing or two that you thought were, was especially shrewd by teams or maybe provided really great value or filled a need that that team obviously needed? That's a good question. Um, I haven't gone through yesterday specifically just the day alone. Um, I, I've liked overall what the Ottawa Senators have done. I, I think Pierre Dorian... Off-season champs. We've already raised the banner for Ottawa. I guess so. Um, you know, and I like what the Detroit Red Wings have done as well. Uh, yesterday, you know, Andrew Kopp goes there and he's got the hometown connection. Um, whatever. I mean, they still got him. Um, and then I like what the Rangers did in bringing Trocek in. The term is a little much, I think. But at that point, you've got you to do something. The Sens overall, though... It, it's a team that has not been in the news for positive reasons uh, over the years uh, several times. So for them to have the kind of week that they've had, uh, the draft, the moves that they made, um, and then Claude Giroux coming in as, as kind of the, the cherry on top. I, I, they're not a playoff team in my view still. They've, mm -hmm. they've got work to do, especially on the blue line. But, um, but man, that's good news for a good young up-and-coming team to, to add to Brinkett, I, I thought was a massive home run for them. Um, well, and, and almost no risk for no risk from my perspective that to bring cat deal in that. I mean, I love your perspective on this. I mean, the price that they paid the seventh pick in the draft, the second and the third rounder for, for two years of control over a guy that scored 40 twice. I mean, if they start talking to him and it doesn't go well in Ottawa, or if they don't think they're going to be able to sign him, I would imagine they would get at minimum equal value if not more trading him at the deadline or next season based on what they had to give Chicago to get him right now yeah you're, you'd think a first rounder for sure plus right maybe plus the second whatever it's going to be we'll see if it gets to that point where it is but for somebody of his ability that that was the one thing that concerned me is that hearing reports that Ottawa they had no talks about any kind of extension um coming into this thing so it could be a two-year and then to bring it decides you know what I'm going somewhere else like you said, you move them at the deadline if that's the case. The thing with Dabrinkit and with Giroux as well on a three-year deal is that I, I don't – I'm, I'm confident Ottawa is going to have a real difficult time being a playoff team next year. I think it would still be an uphill battle the following year. 
maybe when you get to that third year, they're at a, a point where they're they're competing with. If you think about who they have to compete with in the Atlantic Division: Boston, Florida, Tampa, Toronto. Um, maybe in that third year, they're they're able to do that. But by then, Giroux's at the end of his deal. Dabrinkit, he's had to sign a, a new one if he's staying. Um, well, that's getting far down the road. For the Senators, for their fans, they need good news. They need good players. They've got such good, young, up-and-coming talent. Uh, you bring in a couple of guys that are established players in the league that, that can contribute offensively the way they can. It's nothing but a win. So I, I give Pierre Dorian full marks for, for the week that he's had. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, it, you know, it's nice to see, I mean, a, a smaller Canadian market that has been the, the brunt of jokes for a long time and have had a real few tough years to, uh, you know, seemingly be on the come up right now and giving their fans a legitimate reason to be excited about the future. Um, What's your perspective on the trade market right now, just from the trades that we've seen? Um, you know, like, for instance, Burns yesterday, obviously the Vegas one, which was somewhat interesting. I and mean, this sort of brings it back to Winnipeg with the challenge of, are you going to move Blake Wheeler? What will it take to do that? Um, and then especially on the blue line, because I think when you look at the Jets, Josh Morrissey's not going anywhere, but you've got Brendan Dillon, Dylan DeMello, Neil Pionk, Nate Schmidt, Logan Stanley, and then some really talented young players on cheap young contracts and Dylan mm-hmm. Sandberg and Billy Hainala that I think could help you on the ice and certainly could help you cap-wise. Uh, cap when you're talking about trading a player or two, just let's focus on that jet blue line. What do you make in the market right now and how difficult or will that be to, uh, to make a move like that now that the dust is sort of settled on the, on the big free agents? Not that there was a ton on, de- on defense to begin with. Yeah, it's difficult economically, I think, because of the money involved and, and how tight so many teams are to the cap. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing, you know, Montreal was certainly open and, and willing to move Jeff Petrie but for them, I, I think it's very important they're not retaining any salary. And that's been maybe a bit of a holdup in some of the trade talks that they've had. Uh, I'm watching John Klingberg, who is a terrific defenseman, who's still unsigned. Um, it, it's the When you start doing the work in terms of what teams have in terms of cap space, um, what teams are contending, what teams have a need for, whether it's a right shot defenseman, left shot, whatever it might be, top four, uh, bottom pair, you get down to very few teams that can actually make something work. So it, it's difficult in that sense. And when we talk about the blue line specifically, those are the two things that jump out to me when you're seeing Jeff Petrie uh, and a bit of a stalemate there and trying to move him. You're seeing John Klingberg, who you would think so many teams would be rushing out to try to get this guy. Um, and a few that had interest certainly going into yesterday, but Carolina was one of them um, that, that if an offer wasn't on the table, it was close. They elected to go with Brent Burns. Um, it's difficult to move guys right now unless you have teams willing to take on some salary. And Carolina ultimately was, uh, or San Jose, sorry, was ultimately willing to do that to make that move happen. Yeah, um, and, and, and you know, and again, of course, you know, when you're trading players like that, it almost is inevitable, Mike, that you know the cap is maybe the biggest influence on everything, yeah. and you know the return that's going forth or coming back often is tied to how much a team is willing to eat of that big money contract that they themselves signed. And um, it certainly seems like that is at least part of the holdup or challenges for the Winnipeg Jets if they were going to move on from Blake Wheeler. Because the thing about Wheeler is we can talk about his his age. I mean, I think more a trade from here would be something that he apparently was open to. And I think that changes the, the leadership group. I mean, a real significant change in that locker room. 
But the one thing I'll say about him, he still comes to work each and every night and still at this age is a very productive player in the league that would have value to other teams. No question. Absolutely. Like I can still play. That's the number one thing. And he's still an effective offensive player. Um, you know, we've seen him play, you know, different positions at times, depending on the health of, of the guys around him. Um, so from, from a talent perspective, yeah, the guy can still play for sure. It, it's a, it's, you know, money has got to be the big thing. And, and it's, uh, you know, when you do that exercise of, of looking at, um, you know, whether it's a center, whether it's a winger, a defenseman, okay, who needs them? Who's got the cap space? Who can actually make this work? You get, you get down to a handful of teams very quickly. Uh, and that just makes it more difficult to facilitate a move like that, right? You know, um, uh, just before we go, I want to ask you about the goaltending market. Um, in that year, it wasn't a big topic because, I mean, Connor Hellebuck's the guy, at least for the next couple of years. Although someone like Eric Comrie, who had a real strong season as a backup mm. last year and sort of established himself as an NHL goaltender, you know, went for a much better opportunity to play in Buffalo and still making less than $2 million. Uh, but you think about what Kemper signed uh, signed for, Jack Campbell as well. Um, what were your thoughts on the prices paid for goaltending um, and how much of a premium are netminders? I mean, we know how important the position is right now, but as far as the market and the uh, economics of the National Hockey League, what what did you think about the moves that were made? Um, and certainly how would the way Toronto ended up having moving on from Jack Campbell, getting Matt Murray at a shorter term, but not much of a different price, and Sam Sonoff to come in and challenge him for the job. Yeah, Toronto was uh, didn't want to go five years with Campbell, and, and I respect that. I, I'd be nervous about that as well at that number because the sample size is pretty small. We've seen Jack Campbell in spurts play really well. Guy was an all-star, and then he fell off a cliff last year. It was a tale of two halves for Jack Campbell. Um, we've seen him in limited roles earlier in his career, put up good numbers and play well. We've never seen him be a number one starting goalie over the course of a season and play great hockey. I think the kind of hockey that would merit a five-year, uh, $5 million deal like the one that he signed, Edmonton's hoping he can be that guy. And that's great. They're going to roll the dice on that. Uh, Toronto didn't want to make that commitment. And Toronto, you know, they're, they don't have a lot of free money to throw around either, um, especially when you look at what's happening in two years, guys that are coming up, Matthews, uh, big money guys. So they go with Matt Murray. I think much more of a gamble than Jack Campbell, uh, but it's only two years, like you said. And Murray, it's funny hearing Kyle Dubas talk about, well, why'd you bring in Matt Murray? And he talked about the pedigree with winning the two cups. He talked about you know, that kind of six-week stretch of hockey where he played really well in Ottawa. He had a, a 940 save percentage over 10, 11 games, whatever it was. Um, that's great. It's very selective because then you can talk about the years in between and the start of last season, the first 10 games or so, where Matt Murray was a disaster. So which one do you want to pick? Um, the other 46 weeks. <laughs> right. So you can always make a case, right? Stats, you can make stats lie, right? You can you make a case with anything. But he believes in them, and that's great. And look, they believed in Jack Campbell, and Jack Campbell, pretty good for them when they had him. Um, and Sam Sonov is a guy who had a tough year, but a lot of people are pretty high on him. So they're gambling twice and hoping one works. Um, that's not how anybody wants to go into a season. It just isn't. That's the reality for them right now. Uh, in terms of Campbell, like I talk about, it, it's it's a gamble in, in Edmonton's own right because we've never seen the guy do it consistently for long stretches. They think that he can, and that's great. Um, Alex Georgiev in, in Colorado, I'm a believer in him. 
I'm a believer that this is the guy that just needs a chance to play a lot of games in a row, and he's a good goalie. Colorado knows they don't need a great goalie to win. Darcy Kemper was good for them last year, no question about it. In the playoffs, in terms of goals saved above expected, it was one of the worst goaltending performances by a cup-winning team in over a decade. But Colorado was so good, they just needed him to not lose them games. And he did that. And he played really well in, in big moments, and they win. So they know that they just give us a, a good goalie who will keep us in a game. We'll take care of the rest because we're so good defensively and we're so good offensively. And you wonder, because it's a copycat league of other teams that are kind of hoping their cup contenders too are thinking about it the same way. Um, but with the way goaltending is now in the NHL, with the way that save percentages have dropped uh, so rapidly, I would be leery about giving term to goalies that you aren't sure are elite. And that's what Toronto's betting on, I guess, here in, in going two years with Matt Murray, uh, the Samsonov deal as well, is we don't know that Campbell or anyone else out there is elite. We're not going with that term. I understand that at the very least. Mike, always love our chats, man. Thanks so much. Have a great summer, and uh, we'll look forward to hopefully chopping it up next year, and uh, all the best. Sounds good, Andrew. Good chatting with you again. Right on. There he is, Mike Kelly. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mike Kelly NHL, and we'll catch code all of his great work over on the NHL Network. Always great having uh, having Mike join us. All right, Weber stepping up next. Uh, we will focus in on the Jets. Uh, what didn't didn't happen yesterday? Where they go from here? Before we do that, a big thanks to our friends at Culligan Water, celebrating over sixty five years in business, locally owned as the go-to folks for all things water softeners filters bottled water coolers home systems drinking water systems and citywide water delivery services as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions whether it's for the home the cottage or the business culligan's got you covered they're at 1200 sergeant avenue 6941180 and drinkculligan.com. um donnie and the gang at manitoba battery are the home of the $99 deep cycle battery. You won't find anyone in town that complete, can compete with that price. Not only will you be shopping local, saving money, and also saving time than dealing with some of the big box stores. And speaking of saving time, Manitoba Battery will also deliver that battery anywhere within the province at no extra charge um, and outside the city for a small additional fee. Forget the big box stores when it comes to batteries. Shop local, get a better price, and enjoy the convenience and service that Manitoba Battery has to offer. Check them out online at manitobabattery.com or go visit the team in the coolest JetBlue building in Winnipeg at 1026 Logan Avenue. Open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily. Now, I'm not sure there was a big run at Royal Sports on Big Save Dave jerseys today or uh, Kevin Stenland. Um, but you know when there are big player moves and you want to get geared up for your favorite team, whether it's the Jets, the Bombers, or any team in the NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, CFL, Royal Sports is your merchandise headquarters, but it's so much more than that. Massive hockey selection, been the leader in hockey sales for over 35 years, but for summer, an expanded soccer section, softball, baseball, tennis, disc golf, and tons of bikes, fitness as well. Everything you need for dominating summer and supporting your teams is at Royal Sports, the real sports superstore, 750 Pemina Highway. And follow them on Insta at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sales. And hey, just uh, as we get into Weber, 
Let's do a quick little Breezy Bend golf update for you because it is the first round of the Open Championship just finishing up at the home of golf, St. Andrews. And American Cam Young went low, 8 under 64 for the first round lead. Rory McIlroy, a 6 under 66 to be in second. Oh, and my guy Cam Smith, 5 under 67 uh, to uh, take third place. The action gets going early, folks. I think the broadcast started at about 3 a.m. Uh, the app's great, I'll tell you as well, if you want to maybe keep tabs on things by listening to those great British announcers. Uh, but the Open Championship will stay on top of that over the next few days. And, of course, Breezy Bend is our golf home. If you're thinking about uh, making a permanent home for you and your family at one of Manitoba's top private clubs, give our friend Corey Johnson a call at Breezy Bend and talk about getting on the waiting list for next year. And you can, of course, find out more online at breezybend.ca. All right, uh, let's welcome in Ken Weeb. Weber, what, uh, what's going on? How are you? Also, it's great to be with you, my friend. Uh, everything is going well. Uh, how about in your backyard? Sounds like the alarm is going off there. Is everything uh, everything everything is okay at the headquarters? You know what? I'm uh, Re Remo, <laughs> pull yourself in and you can, Ken. I will go and, uh, you know, I'm enjoying the beautiful fresh air right now. But yes, I did leave one of my doors open and apparently there's either, uh, you know, I would like to say someone just, you know, bounced into a car, but, you know, it could be a carjacking knowing what's gone in the city right now. I don't want to make light of anything like that. But uh, but yes, why don't you uh, let people know your thoughts on a very quiet day for the Winnipeg Jets while uh, while I get that and we don't have the alarm going off in the background. Yeah, totally fair, Huss. Uh, I'll go with the all all uh, all filler network here. Uh, certainly a quiet day on the uh, transaction front. Uh, obviously, uh, you were talking about it with Mike Kelly, with David Riddick coming in as the backup. A uh, bit of a reclamation project, but what I would say, Remo, was that David Riddick was uh, highly entertaining uh, on his initial Zoom presser today, uh, Huss, uh, just saying that David Riddick was, uh, he's on the early, early candidate for the all-interview team, today with the uh, with the frankness in the zoom call uh what do you expect if i play once a month in terms of his numbers i love that uh like the uh, subtle shot and saying uh ah, you know i didn't really miss the canadian media oh just kidding just kidding that was one of those uh uh is he really kidding though i mean it's it was a tough scenario for david riddick uh, he was an all-star uh he was highly praised and then quite frankly Huss, he lost the job so uh, generally things aren't going well when you lose the job after you've been an all-star. So uh, obviously it was a tough scenario for him in terms of the numbers and only having 12 starts. I mean, what what do you expect? I mean, we always talk about small sample size. A lot of people dumping on David Riddick. Well, guess what? I mean, yes, they are a very good defensive team, but I mean, his career save percentage is 904, I believe. And Huss, here's the thing. When the Jets signed Lauren Brassois to a one-way contract, people were most people were like, who is this guy? And when Eric Comrie was given the backup job last year, I'd like to check the receipts on how a lot of people reacted uh, when that decision was made as well. I mean, it doesn't mean they're going to upgrade the position. Well, not unless David Riddick finds the form from 2020, but uh, we'll have to see uh, on that, see how it goes. Uh, they needed somebody at, at a certain number, Huss. I think the budget was between 800,000 and 1.2 million. And David Riddick fell within that budget. Eric Comrie did not. He earned himself a significant raise by his play, and good for him. That's what players are supposed to do. Uh, could the Jets have handled it better? Yes, of course. I mean, we know Kevin Cheveldayoff talked about the you know arbitration number, but I mean, I don't think Eric Comrie's making 1.8 in arbitration. I mean, could it have been 1.4 or 5? Maybe, but 
Uh, this is a guy that wanted to be here. Uh, so that's the biggest concern if you're the Winnipeg Jets. Eric Comrie is another guy that wanted to be here uh, and be part of the group moving forward, and he left to a situation where, yes, of course, he's going to play more, uh, but somewhere where he's going, you know, as a guy who went on the revolving door with Arizona and Detroit before making his way back to Manitoba, uh, there's a bit of a rolling the dice element involved, but it's a great opportunity for him, and, and he should explore that opportunity, and I'm sure he's going to do well with it. Oh. Well, hey, just while we're talking about Comrie, I mean, I have to ask you this, Ken, um, you know, because it was a topic yesterday. I know it was brought up. I mean, did the Jets organizationally drop the ball and not giving Comrie enough minutes at the end of the season to ensure that they would have his rights as an RFA? Well, certainly it's a factor, Huss, right? I mean, could they have found 90 more minutes for him? Yeah, of course. I mean, they should have, given their scenario. They were out of it long enough that Eric Comrie should have got more games down the stretch. We do know that there were some games earmarked for him earlier when he got COVID, but still, there was an opportunity to play Eric Comrie more. There's no doubt about that. Um, I mean, like I say, it could have been handled better, no doubt. The, there is no doubt about that. And I don't think the I don't think Eric Comrie gets to arbitration if he's a restricted free agent because he wanted to be here. But after the initial offer the Jets made, um, I believe that Eric Comrie and his representation had no choice but to view what else was out there. And what else was out there was quite lucrative for a guy who had struggled to get NHL work up until last season. So, I mean, I don't blame the player whatsoever. I mean, someone's offering you a raise, the significant raise, and an opportunity to play more. Um, I, you applaud the player for, you know, getting the, earning the raise. I mean, that, I don't think there's any other way to put it. Do you think if the money was the same, Eric Comrie stays here or does he go for, and listen, he is a goaltender. He wants to play. And I mean, he's now the highest paid goalie on Buffalo. He's the one guy with an extra year of term. I mean, it seems like there's no spot maybe in the league where he'll get a better chance to show that maybe he can be more than a guy that plays once a month. This was talked about with David Riddick today. For sure, Huss. And I mean, that's the thing. So the opportunity is not equal, right? The money may have been equal, but the opportunity is not equal. So that's what I say. So you avoid that conversation by getting him to RFA status rather than group six free agency status. And then you take your chances, whether that's with, you know, getting a deal done before arbitration or whatever. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, we're looking at 20 starts here, basically, right? Unless something happens to Connor Hellebuck, the Jets are asking David Riddick for 20 starts. They asked Eric Comrie for, what was it, 19 games last year and 16 starts or whatever it ended up being. Um, that's a position, you know, as a backup goal, you need to give your team a chance to win. Eric Comrie did that in the majority of his starts. Now it's up to David Riddick to show that that is what he can do. He obviously, what we know about him, Huss, he's a highly motivated player because if it doesn't go well this time, the chances are pretty good you're out of the league. So I would say his motivation level is quite high. Uh, his demeanor is quite int entertaining. And uh, what we were joking about yesterday, I think the Jets' stick budget for goaltenders is about to go up because uh, the stick smash has been part of his resume uh, in the past. And uh, quite frankly, Huss, you and I both love the passion uh, when goalies show that kind of passion. Hey, speaking uh, not... of that, did you do any stick smashing yesterday <laughs> when Rennie put one in on you uh, when you were tending the pipes? Like, if that wasn't the most hilarious scene of what was and wasn't going on on free agent day when all of you guys are playing an impromptu street hockey game in the middle of the afternoon. I mean, uh, we had a good laugh about it, but at the same way, it was sort of like, Hey, it would have been nice if the guys actually had something to do. No, it's true. Uh, we did have a lot of fun. And uh, as a lot of people pointed out, uh, 
Uh, my excuse was that I put the pads on the wrong legs. Maybe that's why I couldn't get down <laughs> and the butterfly to spread out to make that save. But uh, Huss, you know, the thing about me, I'm a team player. Nobody else wanted to go in. Nobody else wanted to get in uh, between the pipes. So, you know, I was able to suck it up and make it happen. So here we are. If only we had uh, some nice HD cameras in. <laughs> if we had known this was going to be, we would have done the show down there. Remus and I could have done commentary for the big oh, media street sure. hockey game. It was, uh, was the thing of beauty. Anyways, getting one back quick to one, Hussa, yeah. it was a poor, you know, we were jo joking about the attire. I know you guys had the live play by play. I mean, I still did have the dress shirt and the suit. I was very concerned about a rippage of the suit pants. And then we would have had to go see our friends over at F apparel, but happy to report no suits were damaged in this display uh, of sheer athleticism. <laughs> Where did was the pads just kicking around? Or you leaned on somebody? Hey, we need some pads. We got a game that are going out. Or do you, you, know, or do you all, just all travel with them? All the gear was them? just laying there. All the gear was laying outside. So uh, it was it was quite entertaining. Uh, Couldn't I was help glad yourself. To have the, I was glad of the mask on because Rennie did drill me in the mask as well. So uh, <laughs> on you know, purpose for yeah, sure. <laughs> definitely on purpose for sure. Um, listen, I, I want to get back to, you know, the Jets where they are right now going into the rest of the, the summer with not much changing right now, but we can't do that before we talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois in this report yesterday. It really does seem like Pat Brisson, the Dubois people are maybe in similar ways to forcing his way out of Columbus, trying to do the same thing here in Winnipeg. We've heard the report. He said, hey, he's at RFA right now. He'd love to play in Montreal. Um, what what's your take on on that, and how how will that affect Dubois standing with the club, and um, maybe what Kevin Shoveldayoff does or doesn't do, or considers at least in the short term? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a power play. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the intent was fairly clear, and it, this wasn't an accident. You you agreed to the interview, and you know everything that you say in that situation is calculated, right? I mean. Um, does that mean he's trying to apply some pressure on Kevin Sheveldayoff? Sure, but I mean, I'm sorry. Guess what? I mean, Kevin Sheveldayoff is the one with outside of outside of you know not showing up for training camp. Uh, there is really not a whole lot Pierre Luc Dubois can do about his situation. Um, and I would say it would be a risky proposition a to be holding or sorry not to report with a, without a contract. Uh, and b, I mean. If, Huss, if you're looking to make big money on your next deal and you've already not shown up once before and forced your way out of town, I mean, don't you, aren't you a little bit leery if you're Montreal? And what are you going to give up in that scenario? I mean, we know Kent Hughes is trying to clean up his uh, cash cap situation. That was what he was talking about this morning. Um, I just don't think that Pierre-Luc Dubois is the kind of guy that, that doesn't show up, A, doesn't find a contract, and B, doesn't give his best effort when he's in the lineup. I mean, I've said this before. I mean, we do remember I, the shift that finished up his time. Yeah, in Columbus. I mean, that's, that's one shift out of thousands that he played in the national hockey league. I mean, I don't anticipate a uh, recurring theme of that happening. Um, is it problematic? Potentially? Sure. I mean, look at the Bill Guerin approach. Huss. Bill Guerin said, quite frankly, about Cam Talbot. If you don't want to be here, we'll find somewhere else for you. Are the jets willing to take that? And I would say this is way different. You're talking about a guy that was acquired for a generational talent. And no no disrespect to Cam Talbot, who was an all-star himself last year, but this is apples and oranges when you're talking about the, the importance of the player and the value of the player going forward. The Minnesota Wild have a replacement for Cam Talbot. The Jets do not have a replacement 
for Pierre-Luc Dubois, and they don't have a replacement for Patrick Laine, who was moved out in order to get Dubois. So I don't see a scenario where the Jets are forced to make a trade this year. Um, will Pierre-Luc Dubois have to wait two years to realize his dream of playing for the team in his home province? Now that I can't say with certainty, us. Does this speed up the process? It could, but I will be happy to stand by on the cool bets line and say, I expect Pierre-Luc Dubois to be in the Winnipeg Jets opening day lineup in October. And I would be surprised if he doesn't finish the season with the Winnipeg Jets because based on what we've been hearing right now, the offers aren't anywhere close. And again, Christian Dvorak is a nice player. The Jets are not turning Patrick Laine and Jack Rosovic into Christian Dvorak. <laughs> not a chance. Not a chance in any scenario. He could be part of the deal, but he's not going to be the centerpiece. And he's not going to be the, you know, the pivotal part of a potential return. Again, Huss, we know players earn the right to get to free agency. Jalen Dubois has got two more years to put in before he's earned that right. So I can appreciate the thought. I mean, we heard it around the draft that there is interest. But, I mean, Brisson said it himself. I mean, he didn't say he has to be in Montreal immediately. He knows how the game works. It's not the NBA. A player says they're unhappy. The guy gets traded within five minutes. I mean, that's not what we're dealing with here. So, I mean, it will be interesting to see to monitor, of course. But uh, for fans freaking out on the old Twitter machine, Huss, uh, I would say that Brisson's comments or anything that you've seen so far, that takes them no closer to moving Pierre-Luc Dubois in the short term. That's how I feel about it. Well, okay, but just what about the team? I mean, he oh, was one sure. of the few guys last year that actually showed the the heart, the grit, the 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 you know everything that you want in a player, the given F level that frankly yeah. was missing on. Well, it, it wasn't there throughout the entire roster. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, if he comes in with this black cloud, um, and the guy, and, and I mean, just to, to top it all off, I mean, you mentioned the fact he was traded for Patrick Line. I mean, people don't forget yeah. that. Uh, it puts incredible pressure on making sure that that asset doesn't evaporate into nothing. Um, but I honestly wonder, um, you know, for the changes that we expected to be made, Dubois was going to be a guy that I think would be leaned on even more. If this is the situation going in and he's like, well, yeah, listen, I'm going to UFA, I'd love to play in Montreal, all that stuff. What does that do to his role with the team? And what does that do to the team itself with a new head coach coming in trying to move on from the disaster that was last season? Yeah, it could potentially be problematic, us, but it's all about effort and what effort you're willing to put forth when you're out there. I mean, as you mentioned, Pierre-Luc Dubois is one of the guys who had the highest engagement level of the Winnipeg Jets last year. And I know a lot of folks are drawing their own conclusions. The fact that a guy says he wants to play in Montreal doesn't mean he's unhappy with his current situation or that he's mad about how things are going with the Jets. I mean, let's be honest, us. The Canadians were one of the worst teams in the NHL last year. So it's not like he's going to an improved situation. Well, why the hell are they doing that? Like, who does that? What's the benefit? What's the point? Unless you're trying to get your ass out of town ASAP. Yeah, I mean, that's totally fine, Huss. I mean, it, you know, we ask people to be honest. If they're being honest in this scenario, I applaud their honesty. I mean, they're, if they're trying to force a person's well, hand. Well, I guess I'm just saying, I'm just pushing back a bit. I have a hard time imagining that everything's great with him and it's hunky-dory with him if this is what we continue to get from his camp. Sure, Huss. But again, it's if unless someone's being completely forthcoming and honest with you, all we're doing is trying to make an educated guess. So I just don't think it's an automatic that that's how he feels. I'm also saying I'm not discounting the fact that it's a possibility. Of course it's a possibility. But here's the thing, Huss, that we both know. If Pierre-Luc Dubois wants to be a $9 million player, 
He can't be a 60-point player, no matter what he does in all of the other areas, Huss, which are plentiful. Drawing penalties, taking penalties, being a physical force. You're not getting $9 million as a 60-point guy. He just finished a season where he spent the majority of his time playing with a 47-goal scorer. Last time I checked, the Montreal Canadiens don't have a 47-goal scorer on their roster. Cole Caulfield may get there eventually. But if you're trying to get cashed in on a 9 or 8 or 9 or whatever the number you're looking for, he's got to elevate his game to another level. If he doesn't feel he can do that in Winnipeg, well, we'll see. But if I'm Pierre-Luc Dubois, I'm going back to play with Kyle Connor. I'm signing my one-year deal, and I'm putting up 80 points, and then I'm really putting the heat on the Jets if you really want to be moved. Because not showing up or not participating or not giving an effort that's not getting you eight or nine million dollars on the open market under any scenario, Huss. I mean, what have we spent the last two years talking about here? Mark Shifley thinking he's underpaid. Pierre Luc Dubois is not sitting here saying I'm underpaid if he's getting seven million and he hasn't performed at that elite level. He's played at an above average level, no doubt about that. No one's been a bigger backer of Pierre Luc Dubois in this town than me. But in order for him to take the next step as a player, and I think he can do it. He needs to perform to the level of putting up a 75 to 85 point season. And his best chances of doing that this year are by playing with Kyle Connor or Nikolai Ehlers. Um, okay, Ken, uh, by the way, great to see everyone out here. If you're new, if you haven't already, do us a favor, hit that red subscribe button. Join us daily. We're here 1 p.m. Central each and every day on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And you find us uh, also under Winnipeg Sports Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. So, the Dubois situation, is, uh, situation has gone south since the end of the season. And the situations that already were south are not changed. Um, the last time we heard from Mark Shifley, he was sounding like a guy that was not too in. I know we've heard other things, not from him, that maybe that's not the case anymore. And very public reports that both the team and the captain thought that maybe a change of scenery would be great. None of that's changed right now. The Dubois situation, situation is what it is. Um, I mean, just what do you make of what Kevin Sheveldayoff on, has on his hands right now? And can they possibly, I know he said he would be fine with it, but can they possibly go into training camp under Rick Bonus with essentially the same personnel expecting a different atmosphere and different results? Yeah, I mean, I don't see it happening still, Huts. I and mean, you know my feeling about Shifley. I know you don't agree, but uh, I do think he is not only, you know, on the all-in front, according to Rick Bonus. Uh, I think he is ready to remember that he likes and loves hockey and that he's ready to be a real leader on this team once again. In terms of Blake Wheeler, the scenario is interesting. I mean, we know Blake Wheeler is not going to be coming on a show and saying, I'm demanding to be out of town. And we know the Jets aren't going to be publicly saying, we're trying to move Blake Wheeler openly. Um, but what we know, there's calls being made. Uh, can there be a fit that's found with, you know, we know what Frank's been reporting on Daily Faceoff, that the Jets are not interested really in retention. It's okay to start at that point, Huss. But if it means improving the culture and, and handing off some of the leadership baton to other people, it's going to have to be considered. Whether that means bringing in the Arizona Coyotes as a third party I mean, what other way are they going to get Blake Wheeler onto a contending team? None of those teams have money to afford $8.25 million. Look what happened with Vegas yesterday. Do you think they want to trade Max Pacioretty basically for nothing? This guy scored 50 goals in the NHL, Huss. 
This is the cost of doing business when you're in cap hell. So to me, I still think that both sides are going to be actively looking. There are teams that we know that are disappointed on missing out on key cogs in the free agent wheel. Does that mean another team makes a better offer? Maybe it should, but I think there's going to have to be give and take on both sides. I do think eventually the Jets are going to have to retain some salary. And whether, you know the level of sweetener, I mean, that all depends. But, I mean, there's going to have to be a team out there that is A, interested, and B, interested in having Blake Wheeler. They're going to have to be secure in their own leadership scenario where Blake can just fit in and show up and play, which I think is what Blake wants. I think the only reason he gets to the point where he's ready to move on is because he's tired of handling the burden of being the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. And it's a bur- and it is something that he welcomed for a very long time. But as we've talked about numerous times, the joy level of Blake Wheeler has not been high the last two seasons. And that's understandable. But if Blake Wheeler is back, I mean, it's a possibility, right? Until he's moved, that is a legitimate possibility. So I think you have to be prepared for all scenarios. But this is very simple. I mean, if the Jets are going to improve and they don't really make a a lot of uh, roster surgery, they're going to have to, A, have buy-in defensively under Rick Bonus's system. B, Connor Hellebuck is going to have to be at a super elite level. I know there's lots of disparity in terms of, yes, his raw numbers were way down last year, but his goal saved above average, and some of the analytics still supported him having a, you know average to above average season. He needs to be better. I think he will be better. Uh, and I think the team needs to be way better in front of him. If the team is way better in front of him, if they play like the Dallas Stars did, in front of Jake Ottinger, Connor Hellebuck's numbers are probably going to be in the 920s and 930s again, right? I mean, that you're at, but you're asking an awful lot for that to just assume that's going to happen. And the other thing, we've talked about it from the beginning, and I understand Kevin Sheveldale wanting to operate from a position of strength and depth. You cannot roll into the season having all of those veteran defensemen on the roster because that means you have too many, and B, it means you didn't use one of those pieces to upgrade your forward personnel, which is, by his own admission yesterday, his top priority. So if you need to move money and you need to make room, you got to move one of the defensemen. And again, he's not giving those guys away, but there is going to be interest. Eric Branson got $4 million. Ben Sherratt got $4.75 million. And I'm going to have to say this quickly, Hus. Ben Sherratt, I mean, a lot of people were up in arms. Ben Sherratt left one year on the table the last time he was an unrestricted free agent. Jets offered four years. Canadians offered three years. So the total money from the Jets was guaranteed to be higher. Ben Sherratt and his agent thought that at the end of the deal, they took one fewer year so that they could cash in on the next contract. Well, guess what? Ben Sherratt got a raise of close to $2 million. So I would say betting on himself was a pretty smart move in this scenario. It could have backfired, but it didn't. And same with Andrew Kopp. Sorry, I don't mean to get to the buffet line here, us. Andrew Kopp was asked to take shorter deals. He took them and bet on himself. And for all the people that said Andrew Kopp can't be a second liner, well, Steve Eisenman thinks differently. 5.625, you're not investing that in a player that you think is a third-line player. And good for Andrew Kopp. He deserves every penny he's getting. And now it's up to him to enjoy playing in his home team home state team and a team that was very active. So anyways, back to the original premise. I still think there has to be a scenario where the jets are adding either in free agency with one of those guys who didn't get a qualifying offer 
or one of the second tier guys like an Evan Rodriguez or one of those players. Uh, obviously, the door is still open for Paul Stastny, but I didn't really, I would say that Kevin Cheveldayoff's response was fairly lukewarm uh, when it came to that. And that's probably because Stastny's looking somewhere else. Um, I've said before, I think the Florida Panthers make sense for Paul Stassi, but I think the big one is the Colorado Avalanche. Because the departure of Nazem Kadri, he makes a lot of sense there. But the Jets still need to upgrade their forward group, Huss, and I can't see a scenario where they don't do that and expect to be a playoff team. Well, I, I, I mean, I agree with you on that. And and listen, I mean, I have a different background than a lot of, you know, the, the big J's, I always like to say. I mean, the reporters <laughs> and the journalists. I mean, listen, I came through... This started in the business selling season tickets and sponsorships and talking to fans and talking to customers. And I got a unique, I think, perspective of being very connected to the fan base because of that. And the Winnipeg Jets, for the first time in a long time, have a big-time sales job. Um, it just came basically without doing anything for the first number of years. That's sort of worn off, um, and they've got work to do to fill the building to get people to buy in. I can't help but wonder. I mean, from a hockey standpoint, even if you believe 100% that this that last year was a one-off and you want to give them a mulligan, I don't agree, but even if you did, from a business standpoint, Ken, I just have no idea how they could possibly try to bring back this basic core group as it was last year, expect Rick Bonus to be a miracle worker, but more importantly, get the fans that have been They've been losing a little while over the last years. Try to get them back and be all in if we don't see any of those changes. Well, here's the thing, Huss. Um, for the same reasons that they got crowned the champ, much like the Ottawa Senators, they got crowned off-season champions because we thought they were good. Well, the Jets might think that they're still good, Huss, right? I mean, that's that would be their reasoning for sticking with the same. Well, we talked about that at start, but I hate to tell everyone, last year happened. That wasn't hey, I, a dream. That no, was I, actual reality. I'm not defending it. What I'm saying is you asked for why they would do that. For the same reason people thought they were the best team in Canada with that roster. So you're you're counting on a lot of things, right? You're counting on a lot of guys having bounce back seasons. But here's the thing. Those tickets, you know when they're going to be sold? When wins are getting put up. Right, Huss? I don't think winning the offseason, that will sell you some tickets for sure. But until the Jets start winning, and here's a great example. You got Ted coming up next. How are the Bombers doing in ticket sales before they started winning? You need to show the results, then the people will come back. So for me, no matter what you do with the roster, until you start posting results, you're not getting substantial gains on those fronts. Can you get people excited about the prospects? Of course you can. Here's the other part. For all the people that have been saying the Jets don't play their prospects enough, Kevin Sheveldayoff just told you Cole Perfetti is going to be a big part of the team next year. And so far, he hasn't moved the defenseman. But let's be honest. Billy Hainala and Dylan Sandberg, unless they're involved in some kind of trade, they're going to be in the top six next year. So all the fans that have been clamoring for the young players, well, buy your tickets. Get on board. Those guys are in the lineup. So but who's until, out there? Until, well until they show it, you know, you're asking for blind faith. And right now, folks want them to show you that there's going to be action and changes, right? So nothing anybody says matters until we actually see action in just training camp. Ted's, Ted's coming else. up, but just on that point, I mean, from your perspective, what needs to happen for Vili Hanel and Dylan Sandberg to be in that top six next year? I mean, who's out? Do they do they put a guy making four or five million dollars in the press box at some point? I mean, 
I, I don't know. I mean, how do we get to that point, Ken? What needs to happen? Plus, it's up to Rick Bonus. If Rick Bonus wants to play Billy Hanala, it doesn't matter if he has to park somebody in the press box. The Jets sent Andre Pavlik to the minors with a, what, $5 million contract? They've done it before. I mean, we always get stuck in recency bias and everything else. They've made hard decisions before. I think it happens with the trade, but if they have to park somebody and Rick Bonus believes those young guys are ready to play, they're going to play. But it all comes down to the competition. I think it's much safer bet to move one of those players. Like I said, I personally wouldn't trade Brendan Dillon, but if you, the best offers you're getting are for Brendan Dillon, then the Jets have to move Brendan Dillon to upgrade their forward group. I mean, that's just the way that it is. You have a position of strength, but you have a position that needs to improve. I mean, A plus B equals C in this situation, us, right? But here's the other part. Not, not everything happens on day one. And I've said this to you almost every tip that we've had. When a team is out at the end or on May 1st, and there's no games till October 13th, there's going to be angst. And that's part of the beauty of sports. There will be action, no matter what Kevin Sheveldayoff said yesterday that he's comfortable with the roster. He knows he needs to improve the roster. He lost Andrew Kopp and Paul Stastny from a forward group that already had to be improved. So there are going to be moves that are happening. They is it harder happen. to do now? Is it harder to do for them harder. now? I mean, I so we had said it. it yeah, well, I mean, if you look at when most of the deals are traditionally made, I mean, the draft is the number one. And that's kind oh, of why agreed. we were so looking into last week. Sure. Nothing happened there. Um, and now there's a lot of teams that are filling roster spots and problems via free agency as opposed to giving up assets. I mean, is it more challenging for them to do that now than it would have been, I guess, when we thought two weeks ago? There's always challenges, Huss, but look at a team like Calgary. If you had 10.5 allotted for Johnny Gaudreau and he went somewhere else, guess what? You're still in the market for an upgraded forward, whether that's Nazem Kadri or somebody else. I mean, and the thing that we don't know, Huss, that could be problematic for general managers that when you have teams that are outwardly tanking, like Chicago and Arizona, they've got lots of cap space. How much of that cap space are they willing to use, right? That's the thing. Well, that's where the squeeze is going to come, A, for players looking for new deals, and B, for teams looking for places to offload your bad contracts. So until we know how much of a commitment is being made in those other markets, it could be problematic. But I mean, there's still lots of time for upgrades. Uh, and again, let me reiterate, upgrades are necessary. So if you and I know that, Huss, you can be sure that Kevin Sheveldayoff and his staff know that as well, no matter what he says publicly. I mean, yeah. No, you think, it, it, if he's trading Brendan Dillon, do you think he's going on the, this is why I said this to Scott yesterday, it's a fair question, but I'm telling you right now, it's one thing to say he's going to be back. If another GM phones him with an offer that blows him away, no one's going to say, oh, Kevin, you said you weren't moving him. I mean, come <laughs> on. I mean, same goes for saying you believe in the core. You believe in the majority of the core, but you also know that core has only won you, what, three playoff series, four playoff series in, in all of these years. So the core needs to be augmented, Huss. So you can believe in what you have. That doesn't mean you're not trying to help them improve. And you have to improve because you lost two of your two of your better forwards in Andrew Kopp and Paul Stastny. So uh, it's going to be super interesting, Huss. And I totally understand. And don't get me wrong. 
at my timeline and DMs and inbox, it's flooded, <laughs> man. Just like yours. People have angst, and I get it. I'm here for you. But what I'm also here to say is that if you thought the Jets were going to dump $28 million on the first day of free agency, you have not been paying attention. Yeah, One of no, the most important that... moves the Jets made was signing Matthew Perot, who did not get a qualifying offer from the Anaheim Ducks. And the other time they spent money and brought in two guys, Steve Mason and Dmitry Kulikov. Steve Mason pushed Connor Hellebuck to be better, but then he had to be moved at the expense of Joel Armia. And Dmitry Kulikov was a nice player, but he was overpaid and became a third-pairing guy. So you know what happens on free agency? A lot of teams feel better about themselves, but a lot of teams make some big mistakes that you can't dig out of if you're a team like the Winnipeg Jets. So, I mean, would you rather have overpaid for someone that gets you, makes you better for one or two years and then you're wondering about the legacy contract? Or, I mean, again, now you're having to show faith. Kevin Sheveldayoff needs to make improvements to the roster. You know it, I know it, Ted knows it, everybody on this chat room knows it. So they're going to happen, but they aren't happening at the speed that most people want them to happen. No, it's and if a great they don't point. happen, then it's going to be up to Rick Bonus and his coaching staff, and he's going to have to have a massive level of investment. Otherwise, it's a big challenge because you know what the, you know what the Jets cannot afford, Andrew? They can't afford to throw away a season where you're two years away from UFA status for Connor Hellebuck. So that's not a bet that any general manager is going to make. No, there's no doubt about it. Weber, this has been awesome. Um, I know you're fired up. Are you go jumping on with Ren <laughs> later on? Yeah, sorry. After, as soon as you're done with Teddy, uh, 3 o'clock, uh, we're going to fire up the old uh, free agency machine, and we're super lucky. Kevin Woodley uh, of In Goal Magazine is going to join us to uh, give us the rundown on David Riddick's arrival. Uh, on the departure of Eric Comrie. You're going to ask on, him one on question. You can go do a drive through if you want. <laughs> He's probably good for 25 minutes on that. Actually, a back and forth between you and Woodley. Um, <laughs> like, you might, you might need an extended show. Hey, pal, thanks for doing this. We'll look forward to checking it out after the program. My pleasure. It's always great to be with you. And uh, I'll see you in the seats tomorrow at IG Field. Oh, excellent. Well, you know what? With all the angst, we're going to lighten things up a little bit and talk about a team that wins championships and just keeps on winning in a great matchup tomorrow. Thanks, Weber. Um, And of course, uh, speaking of uh, the Bombers, uh, we'll also be uh, sending guys over to uh, Bombing and Walby right after our program today as uh, they're getting ready for the Battle of the Undefeateds, uh, which is what we're going to be talking with Ted Appreciate Ted's patience as uh, the buffet was loaded up for uh, our pal Weeb's World. Um, just before we do that, a big thanks to our friends at Not Auto Corp. Speaking of Bombers, great supporters of the Bombers. I know they'll be out there tomorrow night. Um, and many Bombers have got vehicles from Not Auto Corp. Bottom line is if you're in Winnipeg and Manitoba and looking for a new vehicle, before you do anything, pop by and talk to the experts at Not. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Tons of Teslas on the lot as well. And that Tesla experience program, if you're thinking about moving to electric, not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at not.ca. Weekend is here. Nothing makes the weekend better than some ice cold little brown jugs, whether you're enjoying the iconic 1919 flagship brand or some of the new summer beers, including that Folkfest lager. It's all available down at William Avenue in the exchange. Pop in for a few pints with some friends and pick up all the great beers to take home as well. And you can always also order online at littlebrownjug.ca. And speaking of this game tomorrow, Bombers and Stamps, 
Two hours before the game, the Princess Auto tailgate party opens up outside the stadium. Cheap beers, hot dogs pop, DJ Finesse will be spinning. Great entertainment as well as some prizes from the Princess Auto staff who will be on location. Uh, big thanks to Princess Auto for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Gold Eyes Bombers and more. And of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two locations in Winnipeg, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Calm. All right, Ted coming up. I should get a blizzard ready for Ted. I should have a delivery from Nick and Nikki DQ. I've got... Well, it's going to be hot tomorrow. It's going to be hot on the weekend. Perfect blizzard weather. Pop down and support. It's great supporters of ours. Nick and Nikki DQ, the DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And, of course, you can also hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. If you need to order a cake in advance, they'll custom make it for you and get it ready to pick up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. All right, we've talked a lot of hockey Let's lighten up the mood a little bit and talk bombers with uh, our man, Ted Wyman. Ted, thank you for the patience and great to have you back on the program. How are you? It's been a minute. Oh, man, I'm doing great. And uh, honestly, I love the idea of the DQ Blizzard, but could you maybe just send over a triple caffeine espresso so I can get as fired up as Kenny? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, <laughs> we were poking the buds. I am too. I mean, let's, just before we get to the bombers, I mean, you've covered this team for a long time. What do you make of where they're at right now. I mean, um, we knew last season was what it was. There was uh, a lot of talk, a lot of expectations about some significant changes. Um, I'm sure they've talked a lot about it. Nothing has really happened right now. I mean, what do you make of the Jets as we stand right now after the first day of free agency and the things that presumably might happen or could happen going into the season? Or do they try and run it back and just think that Rick Bonus is going to be able to uh, be the guy to change everything from last season? Yeah, if I was going to sum it up in a word, I'd just say weird for this offseason. Like, it's just been a whole lot of nothing, really. I mean, when the, the, all the trots talk that, I mean, how many hours of talk did you have about? Well, it was good for business. And, and then never have that come to fruition. And then, of course, Rick Bonus. I mean, that's really been the one piece of news in the offseason that I think has been positive for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, yeah, they didn't get their man. I'm not sure Rick Bonus was the second or third choice, but they did get him. And uh, he's a veteran guy who I think can come in here and do a really good job. But that's been the one time when the Jets were able to put out some really good news and, and kind of have some positivity. And I, you're just not seeing much of that uh, with the rest of it. You know, it's just all a lot of time just sitting around waiting. What you're hearing is rumors about Shifley and about Pierre, Pierre-Luc Dubois and about Blake Wheeler. None of those are particularly positive when you're talking about a team that, you know, maybe, especially going into last season, people thought was on the cusp, close to being a Stanley Cup contender, now seeming so far away from that. And then, so then you start getting to thinking that something needs to be revamped. Now, they certainly have revamped the coaching staff, but their roster still looks the same. And we don't really know whether there's going to be a whole lot of change there. Uh, they, the, what Kenny talked about, uh, you know, per, perhaps seeing younger players in the lineup is a positive that I think a lot of people will appreciate. But as you pointed out already, who are they replacing and how does that all come together? I think a lot of people are just waiting to hear something that really gives them more hope for the future than they have right now. No doubt about it. Well, as Ken mentioned, I mean, there was a, 
There were dark times in the past for the Bombers, and now here we are, just before we get to uh, t- tomorrow night. Um, how impressed were you with that performance on Saturday? Uh, first time they'd been underdogs in a, probably a year at least, and um, they go in and just uh, remind everybody who were the back-to-back champs were. Yeah, they didn't care for being underdogs in that game. No matter what they might say, they didn't they didn't care for having their offense called vanilla. You know, they didn't care for any of the um, you know, the talk across the country from football people saying, Okay, well, this is a great matchup, but the bombers are on a short week, so they're probably gonna lose to this uh, young upstart uh, Nathan Rourke and this BC Lions team. And I I think it's pretty clear that the bombers took that to heart and really came out and showed them something. There is the aspect that they always seem to play well in BC place in recent years, that's uh, that's certainly played into it as well. And Zach Caleros especially has had incredibly good success there. And they just looked on form. And and I thought, I've said it to numerous people, that was probably one of the best, most interesting games I've covered in a long time because you saw that absolutely brilliant game scrambling around from Zach Caleros. You saw the Bombers put a running game together. You saw a kick, kickoff return touchdown. You really, you saw two of them. One of them was called back by a penalty. That's as exciting as it gets. And then you have Nathan Rourke throwing those bullets all over the field uh, for touchdown, showing just what an army has and 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 why there's a lot of hype about him. I, I just thought it was a, a really uh, great football game. You know, not... Not that close score-wise, but still full of all those explosions and excitement that you like in the CFL. I thought it was really good to see. And, you know, the, the fact is the night before that game, there was one of the worst incidents in the CFL we've seen in a long time with the whole Garrett Marino situation in Saskatchewan. And then that game comes along. And I was thinking as it was going along, I was thinking this is the best thing that could happen to the CFL right now. This game's on ESPN. I'm seeing American reporters tweeting to people, you should check this game out because it's so good. One of the best things that could happen in that moment. That doesn't mean the Garrett Marino thing is going away at all, and it probably still isn't and probably still shouldn't be. But at least that game, I think, brought back into light what's good about the CFL. Yeah, and and as far as bringing it back on a micro level to the Bombers, I mean, the thing that impressed me the most and I thought that was maybe the most impactful was the way they were able to establish the run in the first quarter, uh, Ted. Um, They had more rushing yards in quarter one Saturday night than they had in the entire game last Monday against the Toronto Argonauts, and that, to me, really set the tone. Um, But just big picture, how important do you think it is that they continue to do exactly that to – you know, get more than two and three yards of carry out of first down um, because it sure looked like that opened up a whole new level for the Bomber offense behind Zach's brilliant game when they were doing that after 15. Agreed. And I think, uh, you know, the number one thing in this is that they their, their O-line played better than they have the rest of the season uh, in terms of the run game. And I think they all admitted that they hadn't been as good as they wanted to be at that point. You can say... All you want that, uh, you know, Jeff Gray and Chris Kolonkowski are veteran players. They're not rookies coming into that offensive line, but that doesn't change anything. You put two new members into a very established offensive line, it's still going to take some time for it to get going. And I think that line really looked good in that game, uh, played very well. And, And the way Buck Pierce utilized his running backs, I think, really made a difference. Nobody's saying you know, that they expect Brady Oliveira to run for 120 yards. I think maybe observers do. You're taking over for Andrew Harris. People expect that. They want that one dominant back. Buck Pierce isn't even thinking about that at all. 
He's thinking, I got Johnny Augustine, who runs a little differently than Oliveira in this in this situation, in that situation. I've got Brady Oliveira, who's more of the power guy. And I've got Greg McRae now, who can line up at slot back or at tailback. He's took handoffs. He took uh, jet sweeps. And he ended up with 27 yards. I mean, it's a creative way to get it going. But when you looked at the final number, and I talked to both Johnny and Brady yesterday, they said, I don't know how many yards I had. I know as a team we had 141 and we won the game. Well, and that is uh, it's a team game. And, you know, I mean, everyone needs to chip in to fill the big shoes of Andrew Harris, who still has it, as we saw in the game on uh, Monday, which brings us to tomorrow night. Second consecutive week where the Bombers are going up against an undefeated team. What do you make of the Stamps, the visitors tomorrow night who come in as the underdog who, you know, I think have done it in a very different way. A couple wild comebacks, games that people didn't think that they'd win, and yet here they are with the zero in the L column. Well, our buddy Danny Austin from the Calgary Sun uh, Post Media Calgary is in town here, and he's, you know, he covers the Stamps regularly, and he certainly thinks that that's a team that may even be better than people are giving them credit for at this point. You know, they're 4-0, which is really good and they should be getting a lot of credit for that but but you know there are people around the league saying i'm not sold on them you know i think uh you know i think there are people in calgary that are really liking what they see and you're never going to discount a team that is run by john hoffnagel and has greg uh dave dickinson as head coach they've got good people there bo levi mitchell's playing better football than he did last year um mike o'shea acknowledged today that in his mind the only way bo levi, bo levi mitchell would be off his game if he was last year would be because he was fighting injuries and now he's healthy and he's looking really good again and Malik Henry Henry is catching passes all over the field they're not even you know they haven't really even got Reggie Bagleton involved that much yet and yet he's you know a, a really big weapon for them Kadeem Carey the running back is doing extremely well and they've got very solid uh, defensive players as always so I and I, I'll tell you this Hus, if you look back historically even when the Bombers are at the top of their game, the Stampeders always give them trouble. Home, oh. road, wherever. <laughs> that is not a team that Winnipeg mm. handles easily. And last year, they went, the Bombers absolutely could have lost to the Stampeders. In fact, with Jake Meyer at quarterback, Jake Mayer, I'm sorry, at quarterback, they uh, the Stamps had a kick for the win with Renee Paredes, and it wasn't even that long, and he came up short. It was like, you know, it was a real shocker. So in a season when the Bombers only lost one meaningful game, that was the closest they came to losing um, a, a second game. And I and I don't – and I know the years are different, but there's something about it. It seems to me when you like, – the Bombers don't play that great against Toronto. They play great against BC. They have a lot of trouble with Calgary. So I'm going to be interested to see – how close that game is, I think it's going to be a nail-biter. Well, I mean, it couldn't have a better matchup coming out of last week in BC to come back home and take on the other undefeated team in the Canadian Football League tomorrow night on Friday Night Football. Um, the depth chart and roster came out earlier today. Um, Bolo's on the sixth game. Brandon O'Leary-Orange after uh, jumping uh, jumping in in the place of Nick Dembski onto the roster. Uh, how are things going to look differently? And uh, got a little update on uh, anything that's transpired over the last couple of days that will affect tomorrow's night's uh, lineup. Yeah, well, I, I must admit it's been a weird week because I didn't see how Brandon O'Leary-Orange got injured. I just saw he was on the sidelines in civvies. And then the Bombers didn't have any open practices this week Uh um, but really, they only had one practice of the, officially, and it was uh, closed practice. So 
I honestly had no idea what was going to happen, but then we look at the depth chart today and Carlton Agadosi is on there, and that's an interesting player. I mean, I've watched him through two training camps and through a lot of practice roster uh, scout team play with the Blue Bombers, and he is six foot six, two hundred and twenty pounds, and man, he can fly. He's like he's a you know at six six two twenty, you can tell he's actually still pretty slight, although he's a big athletic guy. He can high point the ball like crazy. He can dive out to catch things. I'm sure that the Bombers are excited about uh, drawing up some plays for him. But again, I think Greg McRae likely lines up at the slot back position quite a bit, as he did um, in the last couple of games. He, he ran some jet sweeps out of there. He also caught some balls when he was lined up as a slot back. And they often move it around. You know, they might move McRae into the tailback spot and move um, uh, Brady Oliveira out. It's a lot about a lot like what they do with Nick Dembski, but Dembski's so good, you need two players to replace him. And uh, I think the Bombers are really excited about getting Carlton Agadosi a chance. When a guy's been in your camp for two years and he's been patiently waiting for his opportunity, I think everybody wants to see him get it. Uh, how does the, is the ratio affected at all with uh, O'Leary Orange being out? No, because the Bombers have been dressing eight, or starting eight Canadians all season long. Through the first five games, they started eight Canadians, and O'Leary Orange had replaced Dembski, of course, uh, both of them being Canadian. And it, they just, it, it worked out well because they had this flexibility to be able to put um, Agadosi in in a starting spot. So they'll only start seven Canadians tomorrow, but they did need to bring another Canadian onto the roster, and that's Cedric Levine, who was a linebacker and was a, a draft pick last year um or in, in this 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 season i believe um you know not sure what kind of time he's going to get but you got to bring in a canadian to fill uh, a roster spot when uh, orleary orange is coming out uh by the way folks uh stick around we've got uh, your opportunity to win some tickets to the game coming up uh in just a minute here on winnipeg sports talk um just quickly before we go ted ted i had to laugh i was watching the game with some friends and uh, you know, I thought oh, maybe with this would get tight in the second half. We saw the way the Bombers really went out and went on the throat. However, Mark Leggio finally started missing some kicks in the second half, and I joked that, well, at least there'll be something for people to get all bent about this week. Um, he's had a great start to the season, but a half like that, um, is this sort of a situation where, I mean, he continues to need to prove himself week in and week out, and uh, probably some more pressure going into another big matchup considering it. If the game is a lot closer than it was last week, those kicks could cost the Bombers. No question. And we've been saying that for two years, haven't we? Has, like, yeah. The Bombers just keep skating, even though they've had some problems with their place kicking. But um, it was weird because I was watching the game, of course, from the press box in uh, in Vancouver. And I, I noticed that Legio had made his third of the game, which put him at 13 for 13 for the season. And I said, he's quietly having a great season here. And, of course, then he proceeded to miss his next three kicks, and I was accused of cursing him. Uh, and uh, I apologize if I did that, but uh, I, I didn't mean to, believe me. Um, it was weird because he missed all three of those kicks in the exact same spot. It's like just a hitch, you would think, and he's had some time to work it out. I, I think he's earned the opportunity to keep the job for a while. I mean, really, he did make 13 in a row. They weren't asking him to make the most difficult kicks, but he made two over 45. Um, in BC, which has got to give people some confidence. Um, if he miss, starts missing again, I don't know how long a leash you can possibly have for him. I, I really don't. I think they love the fact that he can do all three jobs. He's been punting pretty well. He doesn't have the highest punting average, but I think he's really got a good grasp 
of directional punting and where the Bombers want the football for their coverage. And again, I thought he kicked really well. They do have Ali Mortada still here. I don't even know if Ali Mortada showed in preseason that he could handle the punting game if they wanted him to. Um, they could make it. They could obviously split that job up. But again, I think Mark Leggio has some confidence right now and should be in a good position. It's just it is a little disconcerting when you see a guy miss three in a row all in the same spot. No doubt. Um, Ted, always love having you on the program. Uh, fill people in on uh, what you guys have cooking in the sun heading into tomorrow night's game and into the weekend. I'm sure uh, tons of bomber coverage for this big matchup at IG Field. Yeah, my colleague Paul Friesen is writing about how this is the marquee matchup of the CFL. Yeah, you got touchdown Atlantic, which obviously the CFL is focusing on, but here you've got a 5-0 and Winnipeg team against a 4-0 Calgary team. We're expecting there to be a pretty big crowd there at IG Field, probably the biggest of the year. And 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 it's going to be, an, you know, fr- Friday night in the summer house. Like, what's better to do than go to a bomber game and enjoy a nice night and, and watch a great football game between two undefeated teams? That's the kind of thing we're talking about today. Um, you know, I'm going to let people get to know Art Carlson Agadosi a little better. And, of course, we've got our game day package, which is pretty comprehensive with numbers and stats and all those things to Get people uh, primed for the big game. You got it. Make sure to pick it up uh, in the Winnipeg Sun before tomorrow's game at IG Field. Ted, enjoy it. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for popping on. All right. We'll see you, pal. Good stuff. There it is. The one and only Ted Wyman with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. As I mentioned, folks, stick around in just a few minutes. We'll have your opportunity to win a pair of tickets for tomorrow's Blue Bomber game. Uh, Hey. The the place to be tomorrow night is, of course, IG Field. But if for whatever reason you're not able to get there and you're heading out, no better place to watch the games all weekend long than your local Boston Pizza. Check out their new summer menu with the Carnitos Tacos and Pizza. Pizza flights are back as well, as well as their summer drink menu. And heck, if you're staying at home, you can always check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. Thanks again to our friends at Assiniboia Downs for the amazing hospitality and shout out to all the winners that joined us on Tuesday night. Man, that was a great time. We will hopefully do something like that again a little later on in the summer or into September in the season. Of course, live racing is on at Assiniboia Downs Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights throughout the summer into the fall. And you can also bet online at, uh, for Assiniboia Downs and tracks around the world by opening an account at H. PIbet.com. And hey, speaking of that bomber game tomorrow, big day tomorrow on the show as well. Eddie Tate's going to join us. We'll tee up what's happening, uh, the matchup between these stamps and the bombers get the latest on the blue and gold heading in. And then once we get to the game, uh, you might want to get your hands on the drink of the summer, the ready to drink Canadian club and ginger ale available throughout IG field along with all the other great Canadian Club products, as Canadian Club is the official whiskey and spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But heading into this hot weekend, pop by your local beer store, Liquor Marts, and grab a six-pack of CC and Ginger if you haven't already. All right, we're going to get to the Cool Bet lines in a minute. Let's get Remus back in here, though. Uh, Remo, a huge show today. Great numbers as well. Hopefully people stick around for our Blue Bomber ticket giveaway in a minute. We'll get to the Cool Bet lines as well. Um, but we've got more from Shovel Dale. And of course, I'm interested to hear what Johnny Gaudreau had to say after he was introduced to the faithful in Seabus as the newest members of the Blue Jackets. Yeah, this Johnny Gaudreau, still floored about seeing him in a jersey. Um, the one thing about, about this too is you think, okay, Gaudreau, 
He's going to be feeding Patrick Laine. How beautiful is that going to be to watch? Well, Patrick Laine has, he's an RFA and the cat, the Blue Jackets right up against the cap. They're going to have to do some juggling to make that work. Laine has wanted this big contract for a while. I mean, it's just so baffling that. Can we uh, get a do over? On the Laine trade? Yeah, yeah exactly. But, oh, I think, I think if you want to get Jets fans in a good mood, doesn't matter who you trade. Just like offer sheet line A or do something. Although he would have to sign it. I don't know if he would if he would sign it. But yes, people want to see, are missing the days of line A in a Jets jersey. Yeah, uh, I get it. We won't go down that rabbit hole. Maybe look, some other show right now. But uh, I had a few conversations about that last night. We're hard not, not to get back there. We're not quite in blue in uh, Vegas territory where they traded what picks like multiple picks for Thomas Tatar. Okay, trade Tatar and Suzuki for Pacioretty and then trade Pacioretty for future consideration. So we're not <laughs> we're not quite there on the line A trade tree, but if it was, I don't think it's going to be uh, Dubois for Christian Dvorak. Like that's what <laughs> Habs fans were saying. Like that's that definitely, definitely not happening. However, hearing the agent, like I don't think even Kurt Overhart ever did that. No, with with uh, Truba, who was the other um, cop? They never they never came out and said, you know, cop would always always wanted to play for Even Detroit. Evander Kane didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Evander Kane, who asked for a trade quietly every single year he was in Winnipeg. I mean, he never had his you know agent saying, well, he's a RFA right now, but let's just say my client would really love to play in on Team X. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, what, what a situation. As a... Yeah, what a situation. That's as they, as they say in the WST chat. Uh, do we've got any for anything from Goudreau? Okay, here's the good. So I said earlier that Goudreau just must have hated Calgary and wanted to get out. And it just seems like he was never going to sign there no matter what. and here Despite is the, the fact that he kept on saying Calgary's home, he really hoped that he would be able to get an eight-year deal and finish his career there. I, I think we just realized that a lot of the stuff we get fed as fans and media is straight-up BS because it certainly seemed mm -hmm. afterwards when he left $15 million on the table and a year of term uh, that all of that was just simply PR because uh, it wasn't happening, despite... How hard and aggressively the Calgary Flames worked to keep uh, their top player. Well, we could. So we had heard all this whole time. Goudreau wants to play near home. His home is Philadelphia. Unfortunately, they have the GM who's at the bottom of the GM power rankings, and they <laughs> thought it was a good idea to go get uh, Rasmus Ristolainen and Tony D'Angelo, so they couldn't afford Johnny Goudreau. But here's Goudreau uh, talked about wanting to play uh, closer to home, and here's the clip. Uh, like I said, I mean, I've, I've always wanted to play relatively a little bit closer. And, um, you know, I think uh, the East was, you know, I, I grew up here, not in Columbus, but on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, it's somewhere I always wanted to play. And um, I was in Calgary for 8 to 12 years there from when I got drafted to when I started playing. And uh, I always uh, you know, kind of dreamed about playing a tad closer to home, but um, I mean, it, it didn't matter where where I was signing. I think uh, 
our decision was it was best for us not to go back to Calgary, and and uh, and then we decided to figure out what was the best option for us. And uh, Columbus was right up right up on the top of the list there, and had no reason on whether it was close to home or not. You know, they were they were a team that I was really excited about. So there, uh, <laughs> there's Johnny Gaudreau earlier today in his introductory press conference in Columbus. And hey, you know what? Good for Kekalainen and good for Sebas to to get a player like Gaudreau. That'll be a real shot of energy in a franchise that frankly has needed it. Um, but man, I mean, I, if you're a Flames fan right now, and the people in Calgary must really f- feel somewhat duped. Um, the fact that it went as far as it did. Um, you know, if he had said a long time ago, listen, I, I, I'm not coming back to Calgary. I mean, it probably would have saved probably some hurt feelings and maybe positioned the flames better for free agency. Um, but to hear that, I mean, I just laugh because Columbus is like a nine hour drive from Philly. So it's not like he's, it's not like, you know, you're going to New Jersey and it's like a 90 minute train ride or something like that. I mean, this is not the East coast folks. This is in the middle of freaking Ohio. I think he's trying to sell it as he wanted to go home, but he said at the end, we decided it was best for me not to play in Calgary anymore. I don't know if he wants to deal with the pressure or the border or whatever, you know, maybe doesn't like uh, the coach, but he had his best season of his career. And I think there's a lot of Calgary fans wondering if, okay, maybe should we have, you know, he had the pretty disappointing year, not last year, but the year before, you know, if he would have said, you know, I'm not going to resign, could they have traded him? But, I mean, I don't think you can trade away the season they just had where they finished first place in their division and were a Stanley Cup contender. Like, there's, I don't think you can take that back. But, however, maybe they would have addressed, they would have entered last offseason um, a bit differently if they would have known. Because he would, I mean, he was pretty disappointing two years ago. But this year, absolutely on fire now. Uh, it was great chatting with Mike Kelly earlier in the show. Like, yeah. He's like, well, who's he going to be playing with? in Columbus. Who's he going to be giving the puck to? Who's going to be Line giving a. him the puck? Is, is Line A going to be there? Bob McKenzie tweeted, really he said yesterday that, you know, he's hearing stuff about Line A. They can't sign Line A right now. They don't have cap space, so where's Line A? Line A's going to go. Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> what a situation indeed. All right, let's get to the, uh, we'll get to the cool bet lines. Uh, yeah. But Remo, if you can, why don't we open up a, uh, a little raffle here. Um, sure. Do you want to just put in, uh, I don't know, exclamation mark tickets or exclamation sure. mark bombers? I can do that. You, uh, I can do that. You fill us in. So we've got a pair of tickets for the game tomorrow night, folks. So uh, what we'll do, this will be similar to the entries in the marble race. Again, if you're new here, just follow along in the chat. You'll see what you need to do. You only need to do it once, once the raffle is open. Um, just make sure, the only thing is that you must be able to go tomorrow. Non-transferable tickets. Got a nice pair for a WST listener to take in tomorrow's game between the Stamps and the Bombers. And the only thing we say is to be eligible to win, you have to be subscribed to the channel. So hit that red subscribe button. And uh, while you're at it, help the boys out and hit that thumbs up as well. So we've got it. Um, We've got it open up right now. All you need to do is put in exclamation mark tickets. If you're able to go tomorrow and you would like to go, obviously there'll be electronic tickets. We'll do. Uh, we'll uh, give you a minute or two to put in your entries for that. While we take a look at some updated lines for this weekend in the Canadian Football League, and that line in Montreal keeps getting bigger. Alouettes now nine-point favorites over the Edmonton Elks over at Cool Bet, a total uh, over-under of 49. 
taking the Alouettes minus 400 on the money line. Edmonton plus 300. Uh, game of the week, of course, is the Bombers and the Stamps. This is interesting. This one opened at four. I saw yesterday the Bombers were four and a half point favorites. Now might be a good time to get in on the Bombers if you were thinking about betting them because the line has gone down to three and a half. So Bombers three and a half point favorites and minus 185 on the money line to win the game. Calgary plus three and a half and plus 150 on the money line. I have a lower total on this one, 46 after that offensive explosion last week in BC between the Bombers and the Lions. Touchdown Atlantic. The Argos are technically the home team. Uh, that number is down to two and a half for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who are the favorite in that one. Argos plus 120 to win. Riders minus 147. And the final game of the weekend, the second of an afternoon doubleheader on TSN on Saturday, is the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The someone's got a win game. Seven-point home favorites for the Ticats taking on Ottawa with Nick Arbuckle, Remo, apparently taking first-team reps after being acquired this week from the Edmonton Elks in the aftermath of the Masoli injury. Oh, it's not Caleb Caleb Evans? Um, all right, I might have to adjust my fantasy lineups here. Yeah, this Montreal one, uh, Edmonton, they're a total, total mess. Their defense sucks. Who's playing quarterback for them? Taylor Cornelius? Yeah, Cornelius is ball, back. He can throw the ball pretty far. I saw him here <laughs> last year. He can throw it far and maybe run a little, but... Uh, Montreal's back. I don't know what their owner has to say about the game, but he's he's out there trying really hard to get, to, to get uh, Twitter followers. Yeah, he needs followers, and they need butts in seats. Uh, that's mm-hmm. tonight's game, a 6.30 start in Montreal. Montreal nine-point favorites. And just a quick little look at the futures. Bombers, 2-1 to one to win the Grey Cup. BC still number two at plus 350. No respect for the Calgary Stampeders after their 4-0 start. Plus 475. Guarantee that would drop big time if they were able to win tomorrow in Winnipeg, but hopefully that won't be the case. Um, all your Grey Cup odds, CFL odds are there at CoolBet. You'll also have some options for matchups for tomorrow's action at the 150th Open Championship and much more, as well as NHL season bets. In case you want to look ahead, uh, the Avalanche 5-1 to one to repeat as Stanley Cup champs, the Lightning at 10-1, to one. And as always, the most public team around, the Toronto Maple Leafs, third at 11-1, to just ahead of Paul Maurice's Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes. Hey, if you haven't played at CoolBet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit. We'll hook you up with a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. Um, All right, let's close up the uh, let's close up the contest. Exclamation mark tickets. Last call for anyone who uh, who hasn't gone in there already. And um, we'll uh, we'll throw them in the wheel of winners and uh, see who's going to the Bomber game, courtesy of WST and our friends at the Winnipeg Football Club. Reap. Sure, I can close it up. Now, while I get it ready, do you want to hear from David Riddich? Yeah, he, definitely. Let's hear the say? newest member of the Jet. Big save, Dave. Um, yeah, he had, uh, had a few interesting quotes. I mean, you cut these up, but why don't you, uh, lead us on sure. the way as far as which one uh, people I'm... will enjoy. Okay. Well, you got to hear about how it, you want to hear how it came together? Sure. Let's do that. I'm trying to get the thing. All right. Here's David Riddich on how the signing came together with the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, it was uh, it was quick rodeo. I mean, uh, 
I was driving home from from the ice practice and uh, just had a just had a call from uh, from my agent about uh, about uh, Winnipeg is interesting uh, in me. So uh, then I had a phone call with uh, with goalie coach of the Winnipeg and uh, had a really good chat. What I really felt it's it's on a good way, and uh, I felt like he's really interested. Which uh, gave me that opportunity to to say to my agent that would be a good spot for me, and uh, and then was everything done in uh, in a couple minutes. This is him saying he's looking for a bounce back season. I mean, of course, I'm looking for bounce back, and uh, also I'm looking to play more more than one game in uh, one month. So uh, so. Uh, answer on your question, of course, and um, you know it's it's hard it's hard to get going. It's hard to feel good. It's hard to get your form back when you're playing once in a month, and when you're playing once in a month, you you allow the goal, and you you're saying to yourself, "Oh boy." <laughs> so he just signed in Winnipeg as to be the back of a Connor Hellebuck. And said last year was hard because he was playing once a month behind sorrow. I got bad news for Big Zabe Zabe Dave. Do you want to tell him? Uh, <laughs> you want to tell him how many games Hellebuck, Hellebuck, Eric, or sorry, Comrie played last year? Yeah, well, he, he didn't even qualify to be an RFA. So Does, does he that... know that Hellebuck's played the most games of any goalie, I think, the last three years? <laughs> um, thankfully, Hus. This is the last one, and then we'll get to the, the wheel. Scott Billick was on the call and asked Riddich if he was aware. Um, here it is. Where are you on opportunity? You just spoke of it there. Um, you know, you said that you didn't play much here. Uh, Winnipeg's backup last year at Comrie. Uh, it went a long time at times without playing some games too, but what, what were you told about your opportunity here and kind of what are you expecting for, for a workload in Winnipeg? I hope you know I'm not gonna tell you what uh, what what was uh, in the chat with goalie coach and with my agent, right? I I bet you you're not you're not gonna push me to say that, and I think you know you know I'm not gonna say that anyway. So it was some uh, it was some communication between us, and uh, we all we all know where we are, and uh, of course I know uh, Connor Halibak is uh, one of the best goalies uh, in the league. So I'm looking for uh, to have his back, to 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 learn something from him, and uh, to be good partner, good teammate. And uh, how I always say, like uh, between both goalies, it's gotta be it's gotta be more more than than just a teammate. We we both gotta be a friend and uh, and and see how the thing goes. I I would love to play every other night. But we'll see what's going to happen. Yeah, I wouldn't count on playing every other night for uh, for Big Save Dave. Although I will agree with Ken, fun guy, nice interview. And um, hey, he certainly is coming here with something to prove after, um, you know, a disappointing season. But not too far removed from being an NHL All-Star uh, and coming in at 900 grand, a pretty good value deal uh, if he can get the job done, which I think will be a big question going into next season. I'll say this. Um... You know, the last couple of years, we've kind of been like looking at the backup goalie 
bro, I saw this on Twitter, bro. So I were like, who's, who's this guy? He played great. Got a contract in, in Vegas. Uh, Air Comrie last year, uh, check the receipts. We were getting well emails. Well documented on WST. That, that the Jets would lose every, people think that yeah, would, he would lose every game that he started. Yeah. He was great. Those he, are some of the most freezing cold takes of the, uh, of WST history last year. And we did remind, mm-hmm. can we give the guy a chance a little bit? Can we let him? Let him play a game or two and see what happens. And it turned out quite well. Hopefully that happens for Big Save Dave when he gets in. But I hope he's not expecting to get 35 or 40 starts because mm-hmm. unless Connor Hellebuck is injured, that ain't happening. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I like to see the redemption stories had success before. Uh, maybe it'll work out. So, uh, so there you go with the Big Save. I just like uh, Scott asking him, you know, you know that Comrie's never really played, didn't play a lot of games. Um, what was your conversation? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you that. And then after Scott's like, uh, sorry, man, I, I had, I have to ask you it's kind of my yeah. job, like the no to like, that's usually stuff. not something that's really kept under wraps when guys sign. But, um, as I said, uh, big save Dave was the, uh, with the big signing yesterday, met the media earlier today. Not sure when the Kevin Stenland, conference call will be or if they're planning on one but um we'll uh we'll see what happens as it goes on all right let's give these tickets away and uh send somebody to tomorrow's bomber game between the bombers and stamps tomorrow night ig field and don't forget as soon as we're finished up here send you guys over to a bombing and walby and uh they can get you ready for uh, that huge matchup of the unbeatens tomorrow night here we go Here's the wheel. Excellent. Thanks again to everyone that has entered. Make sure you're subscribed that you're eligible to win. And this is pretty simple, folks. We just simply, uh, we've got everyone's name in there. Uh, we'll spin and uh, whoever wins, what we're going to need you to do is send us an email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com with the email that uh, you want us to send the tickets to. And uh, we'll get you set up. Uh, Remo? Take it away for tickets to the Battle of the Unbeatens tomorrow at IG Field. Our winner is Jet Oil Tom. a boy, Jet Oil Tom. A longtime regular in the chat. Great stuff, Jet Oil. So uh, Jet Oil, send us a, a, a tweet or a uh, or an email, probably the best, with the email that you want the tickets sent to, and we'll get those done. And uh, hopefully see you at the game tomorrow night. Um, and make sure to join us tomorrow, folks. We will do marbles. We will do our regular Friday program. We will get ready for Bomber Stamps with Ed Tate from IG Field. And uh, maybe just maybe have another pair of seats to give away tomorrow on the program. Um, good show today, Remo. Massive crowd. Certainly the... First day of free agency, people didn't go into hibernation, and uh, maybe it is good for us because none of the questions on the Jets have been answered, and uh, we'll keep talking about it here every day at 1 o'clock on WST. Oh, yeah. In terms of, like, us and interest <laughs> in the Jets, um, yeah, this is actually great that we're still waiting. I mean, I'm I'm so happy that Barry Trott's decision took, like, was two months of us talking about will he, won't he. And uh, now it's like, okay, are they going to run it back with the same group and expect a different result? And we'll be talking about that for a while, I guess. And Dubois. Will his agent go on more t- shows uh, in Montreal and say that he wants to play there? 
I wonder if he'll come. We should ask, invite Pat Brisson to come on here on with us on WST. We actually see should. what he wants to say. I'll be honest, I've heard his name for a long time. I didn't know what he looked like. I've been hearing him, you know, super agent. Pretty good looking guy. <laughs> nice. Well dressed, too. I thought so. so. Probably got his suit over from our but guys he's just over like at dangling. He's just like dangling like Pierre Luc Dubois and the Habs logo like in front of Jets fans. It's, it is wild. People like in chat. Said like Evander Kane handled his trade request better. He kept it private. He always kept it private, even when it didn't happen. And um, like it wasn't until there was a certain internal incident that uh, facilitated moving on from the natural on his it's... way to Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, like what's the meme of like Maverick Lamru's parents? Like one is like Dubois, and the other is like the Habs. <laughs> logo is that like is that where we're at right now like that's so out in the open one thing we'll talk about tomorrow is um you know if you presume that dubois is going to be gone at some point um at what point is the best time to trade an asset like that for maximum value because there's no doubt about it if dubois is not going to be here long term they have to trade him and they have to maximize his value considering what they gave up to get pierre luc dubois here in the first place. I'm sure we'll touch on it tomorrow on the program. Oh, We're actually, uh, Brandon's going to have some, some hot takes. Oh, I'm sure. Tomorrow. Ruiki will have takes. And I, I am so excited to ask him about the flyers and what's going on there. That, that will be definite, definite must see. Um, Eddie Tate's going to join us, Brandon Ruiki and our full length interview with Tim Stapleton. We played a clip of it yesterday on the free agency show. We will have that for you tomorrow afternoon, heading into the Marvel race and into the weekend. Do not miss it. Folks, great show. Thanks again. To, welcome to all the newcomers. Make sure you hit that red subscribe button. Join us daily, 1 o'clock, live on YouTube. And, of course, in your podcast feed in and around 3.30. Bomber game tomorrow. So we're going to send you guys over to a little bonfire game day bombing in Walby, setting up Bomber Stampeders right now on YouTube. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, to get ready for the big game and set up the weekend right here on WST. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.